Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Everybody, it's Wednesday, March 13th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle. I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Mr. Bob Ryer. Good afternoon. And Stephanie Cook. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are back two weeks in a row for Stephanie. Um, yeah. And we are excited about this week. Uh, the show's going to be a little bit different uh, today. Uh, we're just going to be doing a little bit of news, a little bit of listener stuff, and of course our books of the week. Uh, probably be a little bit of a shorter show. Of course, I say that now. It will definitely yeah. be a shorter show than last week's show, which was about <laughs> two hours and 48 minutes long. No, let's make it three hours. <laughs> I'm sure that will happen at some point, but that will not be uh, tonight because uh, not only do we have this show for you, but uh, we have two interviews coming out as well in the next week. Uh, on Friday, you will hear an interview with Matt Fraction. Oh, my God! Of course, writer of <laughs> Hawkeye, Fantastic Four, oh. FF, and other books uh Holy and him. and monday you will hear an interview with mr jonathan hickman uh of course yeah. avengers writer uh fantastic four writer for many many years uh so we have a big week coming for you guys so i hope you guys like what we bring you uh we haven't talked to them yet so it's a little bit different than usual usual there's like a we're, we're playing around like oh you guys are really gonna love this interview that we're going to do but we actually haven't done the interviews yet so we're confident though we are confident they will be good if no technical problems happen <laughs> <laughs> no, you got, you got to, you know, you got to, you got to say nothing. You got to say something's going to go wrong in order for something not to go wrong. Oh, okay. That's how, that's that how idea. it works. I, yeah. I, that's how I go with it. But last week's remix was fun. It was. <laughs> the I Stephanie just won't remix. talk about the F book. Yeah, this will be tough with the guests we have on the show. <laughs> you guys can talk about it. I'll just sort of the book that shall not be named. Right. There you go. <laughs> it will know. It will still know. It'll still know. Uh. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about, before we get into Books of Week, obviously, uh, there's a couple of news stories I wanted to bring up. Some pretty cool stuff. Uh, first of all, uh, this weekend at South by Southwest in Austin, uh, Marvel unveiled uh, the meaning behind a bunch of teasers uh, they had out. Uh, first of all, even before, actually, this past weekend, they rolled out uh, their Marvel Unlimited uh, which is a subscription service that they've had for a while now, but they finally have a native app for the iPad and the iPhone. Uh, they're offering a deal right now at $60 a year, uh, and you get access to 13,000 back issues. Wow. And it goes up to current as six months ago. Uh, so, you know, if there are runs of old books that you are, if you, that you want to read that you, um, you know, that, and you use iPads or an iPhone to read comics, it's pretty cool. I mean, they have pretty much the whole Hickman Fantastic Four run on there. Uh, they have all of Fraction's Iron Fist. They have, you know... Uh, a ton of stuff, you know, and you go back there, you go back pretty far, and they have a lot of full sets uh, mm -hmm. uh, of books. Now, do you have to download it 
the, I mean, the, the app, yes, but the books themselves, or you just visit on their cloud or something? Or You're mostly just visiting them. They're, okay. uh, they do have a, uh, uh, there is one you can, you can store up to six comics at a time offline. So if you if you're going somewhere with that internet connection, uh, you, oh. you can at least read about six of them. Uh, which they, they are doing that because it's like an arc, you know. Uh, it's a pretty cool service and something I'm definitely thinking about investing in because there's a lot of older Marvel stuff that I want to read mm-hmm. that I don't, you know, it's tough to it's tough to find or I don't have the money to invest in it. And to what turns out to be about five dollars a month, have access yeah. to all that stuff. Is pretty cool. I wonder how complete it is, though. It's pretty complete. I mean, I was look. You can look through it without having to buy anything. Right. Um, and Thirteen thousand books is a lot of books. It's a lot of books. Well, like, I mean, like I was saying, like, is it going to be like one, like one of five, and then it gets you hooked, or is it going to be like all five? It's all five. I mean, uh, you, you know, nice. I looked. I looked at uh, the original run of Young Avengers. All of it was on there. You know, there's all the big events are, are you know fully on there. Um, like I said, it goes up about six months ago. Sometimes a little bit before, a little bit uh, less current than that, uh, but still, you know, very comprehensive. Everything I searched for basically was there uh, that I was looking to read. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, you know, if you don't want to sign up for the year, you can sign up for a monthly subscription. But it's ten dollars a month instead of what would be the five dollars a month if you invest in the whole year. But even at ten dollars a month, it's not. It's not a. No. It's, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, but let's say you sample one month. Yeah, exactly. And you go, okay, I love this. Then you can sign up for the year, yeah. and, and you'll get the discount. But it's uh, it's pretty cool. Stephanie, I know you read most of your comics uh, digitally. Is this something that you'd be interested in? Definitely. I mean, um, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not a lot or the words. <laughs> I'm not really familiar with like a lot of like the older Marvel stuff. So this would be something that I could definitely see myself investing in to kind of get familiar with it. Like, I mean, we had. When we had Alan Kistler on the show a while back, he was just a wealth of knowledge. And I mean, Bob is pretty well informed, but Alan was just like, whoa. And I want to be able to get to that level where I right. know all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's a great way to do it without completely bankrupting myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, absolutely. And, you know, I tested it out and there's you can you can look at a, a, a sample of any of the comics on there. Uh, they also have some free ones that you can just kind of check out, see how it works. And you know the app isn't perfect yet. The uh, you know since it's streaming, sometimes when you're switching pages, it takes you know it hiccups a little bit when you're trying to, if you're trying to zoom in on a panel, which you don't have to do very much on the iPad, so that's not an issue. But if you're trying to read on the iPhone, you do have to zoom in on stuff to be able to read panel by panel. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the kind of comicsology panel by panel. Uh, view that uh, that that has right now. So it has app has some issues, but uh, I think as kind of a first step into this, and they're really the only people doing it right now. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's great. You know, if I want to go back and read that House of M stuff that Alan talks so much about, you know, I'd have to spend fifteen dollars on a trade or dig through Rob's basement looking. You know, <laughs> even if he's even if he's not going <laughs> to charge me for them, just to borrow them. Sometimes it's you know you have to leave it to go to somebody's house. You have to you have to you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm going to find issues one three six and seven and not all of them, you know? So it's, it's really cool way to bring that together. And it doesn't really undercut, well, it does undercut the store. Some, not as much as it could by going only up to six months back, Yeah, which is where most stores get their income. Mm. It's not so bad either. It doesn't kill them. No, not at all. And you know, there's still that, that aspect of, I, I think that, uh, something that will happen is if I read something I really love, I'll probably go buy it anyway, you know, but it's a yeah. great way to know if you love something or not. And that that's really cool. It's kind of you know they they were kind of talking about it as like Spotify for comic books, 
You know, so you pay a well, subscription service. a great service, tagline, yeah. Yeah, and you can just look up what you want and you can read it. Uh, so it's, you know, it's free to download the app. So you can try it out. It's, it's pretty damn cool. Uh, Marvel announced a bunch of kind of digital stuff. Uh, let, let's get the uh, bittersweet one out of the way first. Uh, they, they had a teaser a couple of weeks ago that said, you know, Marvel is number one. Uh, and this weekend at South by Southwest, they announced that they were giving out 700 free yeah. number one comic books on Comixology. And, you know, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this knows this by now. <laughs> but if you didn't get on there, probably within the first half an hour of them announcing it, you probably didn't get any comics. Uh, because the amount of people uh, that saw that announcement and wanted to take advantage of it completely crashed Comixology servers. Mm-hmm. The point where you couldn't buy anything. Like, nothing would download it anymore. Uh, it, it definitely is is bothersome. It's... I think it's great that that many people want to go download them. Yeah. Uh, you know what they've done. So, you know, just to get out of the way they, they have done, they've, they've said they're pausing the promotion. So, and they're, we're going to fix the servers. And once the servers are fixed, they will restart the promotion. And you know, they'll, you'll have, I'm guessing the amount of days that we're, the person is going to be long again, because it's supposed to go Sunday to Tuesday. I'm sure whenever it comes back, it'll be Thursday yeah. to Saturday or whatever it's going to be. Mm. Um, great. You dog. can also sign up for, um, like a notification and you will have that chance like right away to um, log on and download the comics. So that's what I did. Yeah. And I've been getting little updates from them saying when it should be back up and running. So there's that if you are like really, really eager to get those comics. Yeah. And you know, if you hit download on them, it will say download error, but a lot of times they just go into your purchased anyway and you can download and redownload at any time. Um, So there's that. I mean, Bob, I mean, as someone who doesn't read digitally, but what do you think about the, that idea for that promotion? Well, we were talking, you know, months back about what do you do with this digital thing? How do you find other ways than just okay, this month's books? It, these sort of things are exactly what we were talking about. Find ways to get people hooked on things. That, number ones, yeah, so hard to find. Even mm-hmm. we have all have in in, yeah. in this in the retail industry, and those number ones disappear now. Yeah, and they're right on eBay. The you know, two minutes after they're out, they're fifty dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, or there's a second printing, and they're twenty five. Mm-hmm. So this way, uh, granted, you know. Uh, Having it all crash around us is mm-hmm. not such a great idea. But no. as you say, how many people then are doing it? Yeah. What, what's the market now that you've now added to what you were selling before? How many of those people would be Marvel fans having bought 700 different number one issues? Yeah. I, and I saw, uh, I think it was Kelly Sue retweeted someone who said, you know, got Captain Marvel number one free and just finished reading issue number 10. You know, so right. it definitely is something. People, and they have... I think it was something like 15 Marvel Now number ones on there. They had pretty Brilliant. much all of them. Yeah, pretty much all of them were on there. All new X-Men, Uncanny Avengers, uh, Young Avengers, you know, uh, uh, even books we don't like that. Are still, you know, Thunderbolts is on there. All these books are on there. So Gambit? Uh, Gambit is not a Marvel Now book. But that oh. might have been in one of the sections. I mean, they had, you know, they had Marvel Now. They had, like, they had Iron Man, Avengers, uh, Thor, Captain America. And they pretty much had number ones from just about every era of the, of the book. Wow. So, you know, they had like in Spider-Man, they had, um, well, Superior Spider-Man number one, I believe was one of the free Marvel Now titles. And then they had, you know, Amazing Fantasy 15 was free. You know, Amazing Spider-Man number one was mm-hmm. free. A couple of the other kind of Spider-Mans. Same thing with Iron Man, same thing with Captain America. So I think every number one in the Brubaker era, which I think there was like three of them <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> it, it were, were on there. Uh, it's, it's really, really cool. It's also great for one shots. Yeah, there was some one shots on there too. Oh. Annuals were on there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie, It'd be nice if they had the Sif one. I would love that. They do. Like, oh, they do? They totally do. do. They, they oh, totally cool. do. I saw it yesterday. Rad. 
dead. Yep. <laughs> they got the Luke Cage one. Uh, Loki. They have um, the Wasp and um, Ant-Man. Oh, yeah. Like the the Ang- Avengers Origins books? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I mean, I went... Um, when I actually got onto the website, I, I didn't get to download anything. It, it crashed before I could... Mm-hmm. Um, when I was filling my cart. And it's also a good thing to note that you can only um, select a couple of comics at a time. So if you grab... I think the limit is eight. That if you select eight comics, you can go to your cart and you can download those eight. And then once you have them, you can go back in and get gotcha. eight more. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a limit. Um, but yeah, there's. A, I went around and I just I just got any anything that said one shot. I grabbed. Cool. So when it's working and it's up, uh, I plan on doing that again because that's a you know one and done kind of deal. That I mean, it's great to see number ones and, and get roped into a bigger mm-hmm. story, but. To have something that's self-contained is yeah. also fun because you got that whole story for free. Yeah, I mean, and for us it's a little different. Obviously, we have we're already spending a lot of money on comics, and they don't really have to rope us in anymore. No, but no. Uh, but no. they stuff uh, that you didn't that you, you yeah know, like. I don't know if I would bother getting into something. Now I can, you know, get a taste of it and see yeah, what happens. Absolutely. I mean, and also, you know, Captain Marvel number one, Hawkeye number one. Uh, this latest round of Daredevil number one. So all, they, you know, they did not shy away from putting, you know, their best books uh, on that promotion. So it, it's a re- as they shouldn't like no. they shouldn't avoid that. They no. want people to come into it. So I mean, put your best shit on there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I totally and I absolutely agree with you. Uh, and it's a great promotion. And once they get it fixed, I'm sure that it, a lot of people are going to take advantage of it, and uh, it'll be great. Uh, one of the other cool things they they previewed as well uh, was this thing called Project Gamma. Uh, and it's kind of their continuing effort to make reading digital comics different than just a scan of a book, mm-hmm. you know? So Project Gamma is uh, non-repetitive, completely original scores for digital comics. This is right up Steve's alley. I can S- see him thinking about this already. Yeah. Scores? Yeah, it's yeah. music synced up to your digital comics. So if yeah. you're reading it in like the comicsology panel by panel... There's going to be music. Really? Yeah. Right. And it will speed up and slow down to your tempo. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. I knew you'd like this. Yeah. I had I did not yeah. hear about it. That's really cool. It's pretty it's great. It, now I need to get an iPad. Yeah. <laughs> we told you that like a year ago. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give me we the lecture again. We did warn you about your galaxy, whatever. I like my thoughts be customizable. Every, every four <laughs> months, someone's got to beat me about this thing. Look, I made a mistake. <laughs> well, uh, what he says, this is uh, Axel Alonso, editor-in-chief of Marvel, saying, an adaptive, non-repetitive score that changes a person's swipes from panel to panel through a digital comic. Uh, Marvel's working with the production companies Momentum Worldwide and Chord, which comp- whose composers and producers have worked on Harry Potter, Drive, The King's Speech, and Looper. Um, so it's pretty cool. I mean... You know, they're saying it's not. There's, you know, it's going to stream perfectly. It's there's not going to be any skips. Uh, I mean, I think there'll probably be kinks as as they go through. Um, but they and they definitely mentioned stuff that we've talked about before, which is you know those moments where you're listening to music while reading, and somehow just by some crazy serendipity, the moment yeah. of the music lines up with something you're reading. Synchromesh. You know, and they want that to experience to keep on going. I've done that before with a few things. Yeah. Um. I actually, I, I synced uh, Tool's album Lateralis with the movie uh, The Secret of Nim. Was, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. See, we did this in the 60s with the record albums. You'd put on, you'd wait for Godzilla to be on Chiller Theater and put on Frank Zappa records and stuff and <laughs> drink a lot. Now, this is really cool. This is the first time I'm hearing about it. I mean, I heard the name, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's fantastic. 
let's hope the the music is good. Yeah. I mean, the the pedigree is nice where, yeah. where it's yeah. going to be coming from, but um, yeah, no, that's I am totally totally curious about that. I yeah. would like him to play the animated X Men theme somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said one of their quotes was, uh, "What's going through your head when you read Thor: God of Thunder? Is it classical music, speed metal, a little of both? Most writers have scores in the back of their heads. Kieran yeah, Gunn suggests exactly. a score in the back of Young Avengers." Uh, so he said it's a natural fit for comic writers. What's uh, that Icelandic heavy metal band, Night Witch, with, with the, the girl singer? That'd be great for Thor. Night Witch? I've never yeah. heard of it before. Um, no, uh, I wonder if they could... I, I mean, instrumental would be ideal. Yeah, I think it's going to be instrumental stuff. Right, I don't think good, it's going to be any... The last thing I need is, you know, some yeah. screamo in my <laughs> yeah. ear while Thor's ripping apart uh, the god killer. Yeah, and they said they're going to... You know, it's going to be just like a movie score. There's, there's going to be timed big moments to the big moments in the book. Turn the page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, to be continued. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, what do you think about that? I mean... I like the general idea of it, um, but for me, I kind of don't really like listening to stuff when I'm reading. Um, I think it's cool for people who do, you know, listen to stuff like Steve, but I prefer just kind of being absorbed in the comic itself, mm -hmm. minus other distractions like music and such. Me, me, me. Yeah, I, you know, I go back and forth. There are times where <laughs> I read books with music and sometimes where I, I, I don't I, you know, I turn the music off or I don't try to turn it on because I, I have that feeling or I want to be immersed but sometimes I need help getting immersed in what I'm reading mm. you know and the music definitely actually helps me get immersed um, when uh, when Monocyte was released they did um, uh, Saltillo did that album yeah. that was like a companion piece to Monocyte and I had read Monocyte ahead of time but then when they sent us over the album and I read it along with the book I mean it doesn't sync up or anything but as far as setting the mood and it wasn't a distraction at all. It was virtually um, instrumental for the most part. But uh, it was a completely different experience, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it enhanced it to a degree. I mean, I can definitely see some people being distracted, but um, I think it depends on what you're listening to and also the kind of person that you are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we said this isn't mandatory. So it's not yeah. like the comments are going to make you listen to music. So I just like the idea that it's something different. Yeah. You know, I would try it out. Mm hmm. Definitely try it. I don't know if it was something that I would be able to kind of stick with, but I mean, you know, it's an interesting idea and I want to kind of support those cool changes in the industry. So, you know, give yeah. it a shot. Well, Absolutely. like if you think about it, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of bands now that uh, like lead singers, they do their own comics. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got um, the guy from My Chemical Romance who yeah. does Umbrella Academy. Third way. Jardway, yeah, thank yeah. you. Sorry. Uh, the say anything. The guy, Lily Singer, say anything has a yeah. Comic there's coming a whole. Out. Yeah. There's like a couple of them. There was another one. Uh, I can't remember his name, but two days ago, I was like, oh, that guy's doing something now. Mm -hmm. That even if they got something that together, guy. that it was like they <laughs> no, that other a, guy. They yeah. did a musical project tailored to their own comic. Mm -hmm. That not only do they have the comic book end, but they could still delve into the music and they could write a soundtrack yeah. along to the pages. Yeah. It could be really cool. I think it's a, it's a really cool idea. And again, just like Stephanie said, it's something different. It makes it, it, it separates it from, you know, just having a book, uh, you know, scanned into a, into a computer. Mm -hmm. it, it's something that taking advantage of the medium, uh, the way that other people aren't doing it. It's, you know, they, there's a lot of magazines that are on the iPad and the ones that are cool are the ones that, Take it, they have videos embedded in them, you know. They they're take interactive. It, they're interactive, yeah. exactly. And that's what I think they need to do with this stuff. Much like the Infinite Comics that Marvel's doing, they announced a line of those as well. They're going to be doing one every week for the next nine weeks. 
Uh, they're doing um, a, Wolverine, a set of Wolverine ones. Uh, it's uh, Jason Aaron and uh, yeah. and Latour, the guy who's doing the art for Winter Soldier now, uh, are doing um, uh, like Wolverine back in Japan or whatever mm-hmm. it's called. Uh, and also, uh, right now, I mean, the, the first one was free. I think they're all going to be free. The, uh, they're doing four Guardians of the Galaxy ones Ooh. that Bendis is writing and Michael Oming is doing the art for. So it's pretty cool. The first one's out right now. It's uh, Drax the Destroyer. Have you used the uh, AR app at all? I've used it sometimes, yeah. There's, there are certain times. Like, I used it a bit of Young Avengers because I heard that there was some cool stuff there. Uh, that stuff I find really interesting when it's when they give you like behind the scenes stuff and there's like the yeah. writer talking about why they did a certain thing or how they laid out oh. a certain thing, you know? So that I think is a... I just wish there was a better way of knowing what each, what each one was. So I would kind of... I know you can obviously mm-hmm. just do it, but it's still not... Obviously it's convenient, but you know, you have to line it up and it... it takes you forever to read a comic. I'll tell yeah. you that. You would have to do it on your, like on your second reading. You have to sit there, okay, this is... It's like listening to the commentary <laughs> track on, on DVD, movie, yeah. You know, but... Uh, there's definitely some cool stuff, and sometimes it it still is like, you know, one of the things where like it feels like the future, you know, yeah. when, when the comic like it look when you line it up perfectly and looks like the comic is actually coming to life in yeah. your phone, that's really cool. Uh, I don't know, it, it's something I definitely I see it all the time, and I just never really investigate it, you know. <laughs> but I only got it uh, a few weeks ago, so I've been kind of playing with it. Yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, it's cool. It's nice to have the option. It's oh, yeah. nice to know that it's there. Absolutely. I will never dog any company for giving you an option. Whether or not I want to use it or not is, is another story. Yeah, it's an option. Absolutely. But it's an option, you know, and, and it's, it's pretty damn cool. Uh, moving on from Marvel, uh, DC uh, and Scott Snyder and, uh, announced this week uh, what the 11-part uh, Batman arc is going to be that he's been talking about, and it's Batman Zero Year. Uh, you know, and this is a quote from Snyder. We tried to preserve as much of Batman's history as we could and keep what we could of that history intact. Uh, it's the zero year, the one no one has told the story of before. We see how Bruce became the Batman, built the cave, faced off with his first supervillain. It's not, let's redo the origin. It's time for a new story showing how Batman became who he is in the new 52. Uh, so, you know, I, I think taking out of context, those quotes could sound like he was just saying basically Batman year one never happened, yeah. but he's saying in this new 52, this is the chance to kind of redefine where Batman came from in this new universe. Since it hasn't been told yet. Since it hasn't yeah. been told yet. And obviously zero year is referring to the fact that it's going to happen in that year. I'm guessing where all the zero issues were supposed to have taken place. So, I mean, what do you think about this? Um, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of half and half with it actually. I mean, I love, I love the team. I, it's, it's Capullo and Snyder, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, eleven books, though. I don't know. I don't know if. Um, I don't know if I want eleven books of an origin story. That I mean, I know that they're going to switch things up, and that, I mean, I've like I said, the creative team. I'm a hundred percent down. I know that I'm probably going to end up loving it, but I really, really would have loved to have seen Snyder go forward and bring maybe some more rogues into his. Uh, run on Batman. I mean, I know that he's got time left on the book, that he's not leaving it anytime soon, but mm-hmm. I really would have loved to have seen him tackle like Poison Ivy, have Harley Quinn back in the thing. If he's going back to the origin and we're doing the origin again and we're going to get like a cent- like the first central villain, hopefully there's going to be others peppered throughout those mm-hmm. issues because I really want some variety. Like I feel like we dealt with the Court of Owls we dealt with the Joker, and now you know the latest event that happened. I just I would have liked to have seen Snyder tackle a couple more 
villains, I think it would have been. And he, who knows? Maybe yeah. he still will. Well, he says in this, he says, uh, he's talking about this storyline. Uh, you'll see a lot more about the Riddler and a, and a couple of the rogues as well. And mm-hmm. he did mention when he talked to us that his next arc would have a mix of rogues that were established and ones that he was right. creating. Well, if he's going mm-hmm. back to the origins of them as well mm-hmm. and how maybe they were crime bosses beforehand or just you know, where they came from in general, that that's going to be in there too, then I'm excited for it. I mean, I'm excited for Scott Snyder, Batman, anything. I'm I'm going to buy it. I'm going to read it. I'm probably going to love it. Um, I'm just hoping that it's got a bit more variety than the theme of it um, purports. Is that a word? That's that's exactly right. (laughs) I'm a a little tired today. But um, yeah, no, I don't know. like Like I said, it's Scott Snyder. It's Batman. He hasn't done done me wrong yet so Mm. and uh yeah i mean why the hell not (laughs) right (laughs) uh i think i might have preferred a couple of standalone graphic novels Mm -hmm. rather than 11 issues particularly right now you're dealing with this major event which we're still not spoiling Mm. is that a word yes whatever (laughs) um in that now how we where is that going to get dealt with in the side books not in batman well we have three issues before this starts we have 18, uh, which comes out uh, today, yeah. uh, and then 19 and 20, mm-hmm. and then 21 in June. So, uh, you know, I, 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 what I think is the thing that Robin really hasn't been a very big fixture in Snyder's Batman book at all anyway. He tends to leave all that stuff to Tomasi mm-hmm. over in Batman and Robin. So I, I think that uh, between Batman and Robin, what we get in Batman 18, which is going to be all about uh, uh, what has happened and how Batman Inc. finishes up, uh, I, I think you'll get you'll get plenty of that fallout okay. in in those books. Uh, Stephanie, what do you think about this? Um, you know what? Like, as much as I love both Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, I don't think I'm really on board with this. I'm kind of sick of creators uh, rewriting origins. Um, I mean, I really like the Wonder Woman series right now. I'm a little bit behind on it, but I loathe that they changed her origin story. I really, really like original origin story and i don't think that the dc new 52 gives writers and creators and dc themselves even though i know it's the company and they can do what they want with their characters but i don't think it gives them the right to rewrite their histories um i'm sure what they're going to do with it is going to be awesome and i'm really on board with it maybe they're not rewriting the histories maybe they're just kind of working with what they interpret his past to be Mm -hmm. um but if they are changing the story and how he came to be Batman from what was sort of originally plotted out, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy that as much as something he would have come up with that's completely original and, you know, mm. ongoing from the last couple of arcs. Well, so, I mean, I d- he does say that, he, you know, that it's not going to be as if – I mean, the thing that people are most afraid of is that he's going to cancel out year one. Which is a, which is a series that obviously is heralded for very good reasons. Uh, he has already said that that that's not he's not getting rid of year one. I think it's I don't and I don't think it's going to be anything about like you know his parents getting killed and him going off to train. I think it's going to be after he's gotten back from the training and maybe gone through what kind of happens in year one. You know how he really becomes the Batman we know today. You know the the Bat God. Mm-hmm. You know the guy who cannot be stopped. You know, because when he comes back in Batman Year One, he's not that guy yet. No, he has problems. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, if you look and if you wa- if you read Batman Zero, it's to do when he's young and uh, you know, kind of still figuring out how to be Batman, and it has to do with the Red Hood gang. It's the Joker before he becomes the Joker. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, I think that's the area he's going to be uh, dealing with. And I think it's more also because I, I, I think there's been a lot of questions about what Batman's history actually is in the New 52 because they, they compressed it so much that what part of it still exists. Right, how many Robins and how many years at this point? Exactly, and I, I do think he was probably going to handle that. I mean, I don't think... I, and Seth, I'm with you. I don't, I don't want them to see them, you know, destroy uh, a bunch of history that already exists, but I still think there's a lot of room in between when something like year one happens and something like when, you know, the first time we see Batman in the New 52 or anywhere else... I think there's a lot of room to play there. I'm absolutely giving them the benefit of the doubt. Right. Like, I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm sure, like, Snyder just has this way of thinking, unlike any other creator I've kind of read the works of. He just thinks outside the box. Mm-hmm. And that's so great. So I'm really looking forward to pretty well anything he does. But at the same time, there's that sort of, uh, please don't do what they did to Wonder Woman. <laughs> like, and it's unfair to compare, like, you know, Oranges to apples because they're mm-hmm. completely different books, completely different writers, right. and completely different styles. So, I mean, that's just like you know the paranoia about it. But that's that's my only concern about it. The rest of it is like fuck yeah. Right. Yeah, but do you want to see an outside the box writer put inside the box? Kind of. I know exactly what you're saying. Right. Yeah. I mean, I will say this too. When I saw this announcement, this was not what I had thought in my head, and not the thing that I was going to mm-hmm. be most excited for. Just like you guys, I would have rather seen. And, you know, and my kind of what I want kind of uh, mentality to see him go forward. Uh, but a lot of times you have something with Steve Jobs says, you don't give people, you know, give people what they don't know they want, yeah. you know. And mm-hmm. this could end up being, uh, you know, amazing and epic and something we talk about for years and years mm-hmm. and years. So, again, like I said, until he falters, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But I agree with you guys. I When I saw this announcement, it was not that. I was excited because it's Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. But I was not excited because of what they were covering. Right. It's also, it's... It's another thing, too, because now for the next year, this is the only Batman story arc. Mm-hmm. I mean, not the only one. I mean, obviously, there's like, what, four Batman books? Yeah. 13. Yeah. <laughs> 20. Yeah. But anyways, I mean, obviously, we have the other Bat books, but this is the only Snyder Batman story we're going to be getting for a year now. Right. Like, we're not going to get a new arc. We're not going to get to see, like, a Court of the Owls kind of story yeah. for at least a year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... I don't know. Maybe it's kind of good, though, because, um, I mean, most writers plot out their arcs in advance. So he's probably got this thing entirely scripted in his mind, which leaves room for other projects like the Man of Steel book. Yeah. And, um, you know, whether or not he's planning on doing American Vampire again anytime soon. I think he Mm -hmm. was saying like a six month hiatus. Plus, he's got the wait coming up. I think um, he actually made an announcement, not an announcement, but he hinted at something recently that um, American Vampire would be coming back real soon. They're doing a one shot. Oh, they're They're doing doing a one one shot. shot. That's it. Okay. Yeah. He announced when they said they were going on hiatus, he said it was only going to be like six months at a time. Like he would just do certain stories on and off. Yeah. So it's not like a indefinite hiatus. It's just, I don't know. It's nice, though, because it gives him a chance to, again, work on some more stuff and probably for him have some time to spend with his family where he's yeah. not writing all the time and yeah. you know ah, overrated go to conventions and such and you know make sure he makes the rounds visiting his fans who are obviously loving the shit out of everything he's doing yeah absolutely and the good thing about this too is it's 11 issues but it doesn't tie into any other bat book so it, it there's no, it's not an event you will not see you know year zero yeah. all over all the other bat books 
This is just in Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's Batman. Yeah, there'll be another event that you'll have to. Well, worry no, about no, wait, otherwise. no, it's DC. They'll do it. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Well, they're gonna six tri- months from now. There's a fall off in something else. Yeah. Superman, Batman, Year Zero tie-in. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yes. If this is really successful, you guarantee that they'll do it yeah. for everybody. But yeah. you know, at least for this, we're not going to get a bunch of tie-ins. Um, so moving on from that, we have the sales uh, came out, and people like that we can talk about the sales. Mm-hmm. So uh, Justice League of America. Uh, sold 308,000 copies. It is the best-selling book since 1996's Marvel vs. DC number three. Uh, and the best-selling book of the decade. Of course. Seriously? Yeah. There, is, there is a caveat to I that. I mean, there are 52 variant covers. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, and yes, that doesn't mean 307 people are reading the book. However, it's still a lot of copies to sell. Yeah, uh, but th- th- they sell, we're not going to know. Uh, yeah. Twice as many copies as they were, three times as many. What was what would what would the right uh, custom wisdom here been to how many would they have sold at a buck fifty, buck twenty? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I I, I still think probably you end up with high one fifties mm-hmm. to one sixty to one seventy because that's where these new number ones have been hitting for these right. marquee titles, uh, and maybe a little more than that. Just like America is a very recognizable name, uh, and I think that had a lot to do with it as well. Obviously, the the many variant covers has something to do with it. But how many people bought how many variant covers? Who knows? Uh, I think it's more likely that, yeah, they probably got another sale out of people buying, oh, I'll sure. just buy my state's variant cover, you know, and the regular one. Yeah, that's what the stores I spoke to all did. They all yeah. made sure they were in New York, so everyone bought New York covers or mm-hmm. they have their own home state or some other jazz like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it just goes to prove H.L. Mencken right, the great American cynic who said, you, no one ever went broke underestimating the intelligence of the American public. <laughs> Uh, so that's the number one. Number two is Uncanny X-Men uh, from Marvel at 177,000. Nice. Um, Batman, number 17 at 150,000. I just thought that had been higher somehow. Uh, it's usually like 135, so it boosts it a little bit. Mm. But, I mean, it's right around that 135 to 150 mark every single every single month. And it's one of the only books that has stayed right about, yeah. you know, obviously it... it it debuted at number one, the number one debuted a little higher than that, but it's the one that's flattened out the best. Just to uh, get some extra bodies in the store because yeah. of the other thing going yeah. on. Uh, Justice League, uh, 105,000. Uh, that's number 17. Superior Spider-Man, number three, 101,000. Followed very closely by Superior Spider-Man, number four, which sold 95,000. Wow. So that's a pretty good month for Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Uncanny X-Men, number two, comes it comes at 94,000. Um uh, Uncanny Avengers at number eight with uh, eighty seven thousand. Uh, De- De- Detective Comics number seventeen eighty five, uh, and Secret Avengers number one at eighty five. Um, and then you have, I mean, the next I won't read all the numbers, but you got all new X Men, Avengers, Avengers, uh, Nova, Guardians of the Galaxy, all over eighty thousand. And New Avengers and Green Lantern over 70,000. And then you got a next crop over 60, which is Batgirl, Walking Dead, Nightwing, Batman and Robin, uh, and Aquaman. And, you know, uh, then a lot of other books really go. I mean, there's a lot in the 50s and 40s. Um, you know, some of them, I guess, on the. the you should, if you like these books and you're worried about them getting canceled, uh, Threshold, 18,000, Captain Marvel, 18,000. Dark Avengers, 18,000. That's already canceled. Oh, got it canceled already? already? Gone, yeah. uh, Phantom, Str- Phantom Stranger, 18,000. Uh, and Red She-Hulk at 17,000. Just about 18,000. Uh, good news for some indie stuff. I mean, Fatal, 
sold very well at about 18,000. So it, it, That's great. it's selling yeah. very, very well. Uh, Star Wars is right there as well, uh, 17,000. Um, obviously, uh, you know, well, Happy, Happy is sold very well, 26,000. Um, hmm. Yeah, uh, obviously, Walking Dead is the best selling independent title, like it always is. 107 sold 63,000 copies. Uh, let's see. Fearless Defenders, number one, did pretty well, 53,000. Uh, it's not obviously just you know blowing up the world, but it's still a very good number. Uh, I'm just see the like the box office. For did you see motion the, pictures? The What's cover the drop off for the new one for Fearless Defenders? It's so cool. Yeah. It looks yeah. like a bl- toy blister pack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was looking for a cover for Talking Comics Presents, and I was like, I can't find. All I can find is these toys. Yeah. <laughs> and then I realized it was it was the cover. Uh, Saga is at forty eight thousand, so that continues to sell very very well. And I'll say this: Star Wars number one, that was seventeen thousand. That was its number one sales, which came out two months ago. Uh, it still so, was still was seventeen thousand this month. Star Wars number two sold forty six thousand for Dark Horse, um, and My Little Pony forty three thousand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and funny about My Little Pony. Uh, funny thing about that, it helped IDW kind of set a record uh, for itself. It is now over seven percent market share for the last wow. two months. It's right behind Image. Wow. Uh, it's it's these books these kind of those kind of books have really boosted uh, their share big time. To now they are neck and neck with Image for the biggest independent company. Uh, to contrast that, Dark Horse is the next biggest. It's about four uh, percent behind that. So that is uh, pretty cool stuff. Um, trade paperbacks uh, and hardcovers. Uh, Nemo Heart of Ice, which was the Alan Moore. Uh, here back was the number one. It sold 10,000. Uh, the hardcover of Night of the Owls was number two at 8,000. Adventure Time, volume two, 6,000. Uh, Walking Dead, volume one, 5,000. Sold something like almost 300,000 copies in its lifetime. Uh, Saga, volume one, 4,000. Batman the Black Mirror trade paperback, uh, which is Scott Snyder's first Batman arc over at on um, Detective, near 4,000. And then we have uh, actually Catwoman is up there at around three thousand. Doctor Who Assimilation <laughs> is up there. Batgirl's up there, and Adventure Time Volume One is still on the charts. <laughs> Look on Bob's face right. when you yeah. said Catwoman. Catwoman. Was so funny. Ooh, yeah. What can you do? I, I think I read what sales were up ten percent or something. Yes. Yeah. The, the... Are you getting catty about that? Yes, I am. <laughs> Meow. What? <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. So the top three hundred comic books sold seven point oh one million copies. Up 15% from last year, 12% from five years ago, 20% from 10 years ago, and 6% from 15 years ago. Yeah, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> so we're actually making some progress. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely going up. And obviously, books cost more, but uh, you know the sales were up uh, 61% from 15 years ago. So we won't be out of a free job anytime soon. No, we will not yeah. be out of a job we pay for anytime soon. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> yep. Yeah, money. <laughs> So that, you know, it. it's good, really good. Uh, you know, as much as we talk about the variant cover thing, uh, they need months like this, and I think uh, the comic industry. So, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, there are obviously some sad stories. There are some titles mm-hmm. obviously we want to be selling more that that don't sell that much. But journey into mystery. Well, again, mystery, to me, what always comes down to is those extra hundred thousand Justice Leagues were a hundred thousand something else. It's true, but I mean, how many of those people who are buying extra variants? Of JLA are gonna end up buying an issue of Captain Marvel. No, but they might have bought Phantom Stranger. You know, Maybe, but I, I don't want them a... to buy Phantom Stranger. That <laughs> book is not any good. <laughs> Stay away from Phantom Stranger. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it's funny. You know, look at stuff like this, like the Injustice Gods Among Us. Uh, you know, digital first, but now print, collected print, 
sold 17,000 copies. So it's really big for a book that is, a, you know, that is a based on a video game. And I read them this weekend. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. <laughs> I was not expecting them to be that good, but they were actually pretty good. Uh, so there you go. Uh, uh, big, big month for comics. Um, that's the stuff that came out and obviously that uh, the sales numbers for those. But let's talk about books that are out right now that we have been reading. So book of the week. I'm actually going to, I'll start this week, change it up a little bit. Ooh, um, dangerous. Run through a th- couple things real quick. Uh, Amara number three, uh, really, really loved it. Uh, it's been getting better and better. I liked the first issue, but it was a little bit whatever on it, you know, almost, almost had that feeling. I'll wait for a trade to see where it, how it turns out. But I picked up issue two, uh, and loved it. And this issue kept going. It's taken the, the story into a, a bigger place. And, awesome. uh, the art by Ming Doyle is absolutely amazing. Stephanie, I know you're a big Brian Wood fan. Have you been reading Mara? I read the first issue and I loved the first issue. And then I don't know like how I got so sidetracked with the rest of it, but the second and third issue, I haven't got a chance to read. They're both on my iPad and I meant to read them while I was on my way to Seattle and I fell asleep. So <laughs> whoops. That happens. It's but, right. Um, I mean, I love the series. And again, what you said, like, even if Brian Wood wasn't writing it, which is obviously a really big draw, Ming Doyle's art is phenomenal and totally worth at least picking up the first issue just to kind of have and flip through. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Um, It's probably the series I'm keeping like the closest eye on and kind of trying to keep up with it. Although obviously I'm not doing a very good job, but (laughs) (laughs) it's super interesting so far. And I don't know. Things are happening, or happened in the first issue. I'm sure you know more. Yeah, red stuff. <laughs> he does a very interesting job of slowly doling out information about this big event happens at the end of, of the first issue, where uh, Mara does something that jeopardizes her career. You know, in this future where kind of athletes are almost like government agents, you know, and are the biggest celebrities, and she's a volleyball player, and she does something that jeopardizes that career, and brings a big question about who she is and what, what she's all about. And the second issue enumerates on that. But then the third issue not only kind of solidifies what's going on with her, but moves the story forward to a place that you weren't expecting. So uh, really cool. I, I've, I highly uh, recommend Mara. And it's a limited series for right now. So it's definitely something you can check out. Yeah, I think it's uh, How six. Many? Six. Yeah, I think it's six. Okay. Yeah, I will take a peek inside and see what it says because I'm sure it says number three of... Yeah, every time I see it in previews, I'm pretty sure it's of six. Yeah, I just uh, love the color palette that she uses too. It's so like simple, yeah. and it works so well with the series. And well, it actually it doesn't say if it was what <laughs> three of six, but take my word for it. I, I'm taking your word for it. Great stuff. And she's this is maybe it's weird to say one of the more attractive comic book characters I've ever seen in my entire life. Ooh. Yeah, and but done in a like in a very she's very realistic, very athletic. Bobby's got a crush. kind of way. She's very very it's 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 interesting. To, I I find it interesting when they're able to render realistic people uh in an attractive way without it being overly sexual mm-hmm. or a little bit weird, you know. So I think it's pretty cool. Uh, Sheena from Savage Wolverine wasn't doing it for you. No. <laughs> Although I love her then that that book, Ooh. but uh, so moving on uh, real quick. So uh, last month we talked about the end of Rot World and uh, I mentioned being disappointed, especially with the Swamp Thing issue. Uh, in these uh, these issues, Swamp Thing 18 and MLN 18 are what they're calling kind of the uh, epilogue to Rot World. They really should have been the end of Rot World. Uh, Animal Man 18 uh 
really satisfying conclusion. You get kind of the mano a mano battle that you were waiting for. And that's true for both of these books, just with different characters. You get to see Buddy back doing what was so good prior, which is defending his family and uh, uh, and getting to see Maxine do some really, really cool stuff. Uh, really recommend it. And the cover, <laughs> you know, it says, this is the most tragic day in the life of Buddy Baker. Some really messed up stuff happens. Uh, I, well, I'm not going to spoil it. But if you've been reading Animal Man and you read this book, it's going to rip your heart out. So, mm-hmm. uh, oh no, yeah. I haven't read this one yet. It's it's Oops. it's pretty intense. Uh, I've caught up to everything but this one. All right. So. Well, oh no, yeah. it's tragic. It yeah. says so right on the cover. Yeah. So I shouldn't yeah. read it tonight if I don't want to go to bed crying. Yeah, no. Is that exactly. what you're saying? no, probably not. You know, I wouldn't be crying. It's just that shocked feeling. You know, you get this. You're like, oh my god, mm-hmm. I need to see what comes next. Uh, and I think some comics need to come packaged with Kleenex. Yeah. Absolutely. What a great idea. Um, so and people might get the wrong idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm bummed. Only yeah. on those Catwoman books. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the second of the two is uh, Swamp Thing, which, first of all, you know, I complained about the art last month. Uh, Young Paquette is back for the end of Scott Snyder's run here, the He's end of their run back. together. And it has got to be one of the most gorgeous comic books I've ever seen. Uh, there is a, a page in this book that just is so beautiful. Um, I, I, it's unbelievable mm-hmm. to me. Uh, you get, again, the big mano mano fight. You get to see Abigail Arcane do some really awesome stuff. And Scott Snyder manages to finish off his arc and seal what he's done and really finish it while leaving the door open for the next guy who's going to come in and, and do the work there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really feels like an ending. It feels like the season, like the series finale of a television show in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, some really beautiful writing, really beautiful art. Uh, I'm so glad that the last issue was not the, was not the final issue for Scott Snyder. And this is it. Cause it really just tugged at my heartstrings a uh, big time. Also an emotional book, but for a, a different reason. Uh, and the love story that he started so well at being this book between the two of them is really kept off in a really great way. So, I love that book. I mean, I, I, Animal Man I really enjoyed, but Swamp Thing of the two was the one that really got to me. Yeah. Uh, it was gorgeous. This, yeah, this is another reason why I'm so grateful for doing this show because without you guys, I wouldn't have read Swamp Thing and Animal Man. And, like, they're so rewarding. Just, they're so great. And, oh, everything about them makes me want to continue checking out new superheroes and new comics that I never thought of reading. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, kudos to them. Yeah. Yeah. I would have never thought to read a book called animal man. Right. It just sounds silly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I mean, this is like completely this Yannick Paquette, his art. I've just kind of realized reminds me a bit of Mike Allred's and like the color palettes a bit like Laura Allred's as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if anyone read eyes on me, but the character Abigail looks a whole lot like Gwen from iZombie. Yeah, yeah. She does. they are very similar looking. Yeah, there yeah. is something about Yannick's work. He, he's a little, he's slightly more realistic, less pop than, yeah. than Mike Allred is, but definitely, you're absolutely right. The the way the colors are used, uh, the sometimes, like the, the almost impressionist detail, like it's not simplistic art, there's a lot of detail, but it's done in more broad, uh, you know, swaths. Mm-hmm. So, yeah and, yeah. and the colors are just so... Like, the colors are almost not realistic. They're, like, I mean, in iZombie with uh, Allred, the colors, like, Gwen's skin's, like, that pinky purpley color. I mean, she's a zombie. Right. But then he kind of uses the same sort of palettes where they're not really particularly realistic, but they really work. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know. I just really dig both of their styles. And it 
it just works really well with this book. Absolutely. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, it, and, I, you know, I'm going to definitely pick up issue 19 to see what the new creative team does. But it's one of the only books that he's leaving and, you know, his run is done and, and that's fine. Uh, this book is definitely on the fence for me now when he's gone. The book really has to be great for me to keep wanting to read it and keep mm-hmm. it on the pull list. So uh, the preview stuff I've seen looks really great and it looks different, but definitely something that I'd be interested in checking out. Uh, like if it was a new number one, I definitely would check it out because it looks interesting. But it definitely is one of those things where if it's not one, one if issue one and two, you know, 18 and 19 and 20 or whatever are not great, I'm, pr- I'm probably going to drop it. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. Also, it's probably going to be interesting to see the sales, too, because a lot yeah. of people are probably picking up the book for Snyder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I wonder if DC is going to be like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> what? 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 Really? <laughs> really? Yeah. Guys, come on. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, I hope I hope it keeps up and I hope it keeps being a great series. I mean, not that I wouldn't mind having a few less things on my pull list, but <laughs> you yeah. know, I hope this isn't one of them. Yeah. No, me too. And I, I'm excited, you know, I, I liked Rot World, but I'm excited to see the, the two of them separate again and doing their own thing. And the new team uh, for Swamp Thing has definitely said they're going to be incorporating him more into the larger DC universe and not so segmented in their own area. So, uh, Who is the team again? Uh, I can't remember. Kano is the artist. I can't remember the, I can't remember the name of the writer. The dude from Mortal Kombat. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the dude from Mortal Kombat. He has a you know, metal face and he... <laughs> he lasers in the, the lines. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Damn you, Kano. Do that little ball and he flips Rips out the heart of anybody that doesn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will look up the team in the break and then we'll we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, really, really quick. All new X-Men number eight. I don't want to talk about the whole book. It's great. I love it. Be reading this series. There is one conversation where Captain America, come, he, Captain America finds out that the old X-Men, you know, from the past have come into the, the present because uh, the two Icemen, uh, the two angels uh, help stop an attack on Avengers Mansion, Avengers Tower. He comes in and he, he wants to talk to Beast. So him and Beast go over and talk. And Iceman uh, and Kitty sit behind. And, and, that was awesome. And Iceman goes, you want, I, you want to bet you know, I, I know what they're saying? And Iceman and Kitty do Scott and uh, Henry Hank's uh, conversation mm-hmm. like in a very joking, over-the-top manner to each other while they're talking off there. And it was one of the funniest things I've read in a very mm-hmm. long time. Very entertaining. Just, just great. Um, you know, Iceman's like, you know, I'm from 1940. I don't understand your, your girls who have skirts that come up to their knees. You know, it's, <laughs> it's very funny. And the, the beast, somebody's going to beast. It's very, very funny. Um, Indubitably. It's a very, very good thing. Uh, great book. Uh, but finishing it off, uh, how many books you got over there? <laughs> I got, uh, but this is the, the age of Ultron. Number one, uh, we, we got to talk about it because it is the, probably the biggest number one that came out, uh, this past week. And, you know, I'm not, like we talked about last week on the show, I'm not very familiar with Ultron except for a little bit in that Avengers cartoon. Uh, I read Avengers 12.1, which I, I actually really, really enjoyed, uh, and picked this up kind of fresh and, and ready to read it. And you know what? I really, really loved it. Uh, the art, First of all, the art is gorgeous. Brian Hitch, it, you know, it's this, you know, it's the usual style that goes with Bendis. It, it's very realistic, uh, you know, and... So, but very, very detailed, extremely, extremely detailed. Uh, and there's, there's an effect that he does when all, the Ultrons are kind of bringing down this factory or what are this mm-hmm. safe house, the shaking of the panels, I, I just thought w- w- was wonderful. Um, it's, I said this in my review, it's very dark, it's very gritty. And if you're looking, if you don't want that, do not read Ultron. Uh, for me, because we have such 
a plethora of different books at Marvel now, and I, I can get my fun stuff just about everywhere now and mixed mm-hmm. with my dark stuff. This this was great. You know, it was a, it was a good change up. Uh, I I thought that. He, he did an interesting thing because usually Bendis is very wordy. He's a very wordy writer and his first issues especially are dialogue heavy. And this was much uh, much more focused on character and just kind of uh, letting the art speak for itself and showing context for the world, not explaining why this happened, uh, you know, and, what, and we don't know that yet. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what has driven these people to do what they're going to do uh, or how it fits into what we're going to see. But... Uh, you know, I I love that we didn't get like this is what happened. You know, to lead to this, to lead to that, to lead to this. I like that it just went right out and started off and just went from the word go. Uh, and so I I really loved it. Um, Steve, what did you think? I absolutely positively loved it. I loved it. Um, if I didn't have my other book of the week, that would have been my book of the week, mostly because I was really really surprised by it. I'm kind of you know evented out mm-hmm. a little bit. And we were all a little bit wary of jumping onto it. Uh, I, it was very cinematic. Yeah, I thought. Yes, it had a lot of um, almost like the like the color palettes to it were very sci-fi, mm-hmm. um, like invaders and just when the the Ultrons are coming down and shining the lights down on the ruined city. Uh, and I just like you said, there's a lot of books right now that are light and that are fun and and things like that. I've been a exploring a little bit of like darker books lately mm-hmm. and enjoying a lot of the darker themes, something I'm not usually in the mood for, but lately have just been speaking to me, I guess, mm-hmm. a little bit more than other things. And I was, like I said, surprised by it, totally grooved on it. Uh, I think another issue of it comes out today it does. to kind of jumpstart it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really excited. It's another thing that's going on that I, I don't mind if if a lot of it comes out all at once mm-hmm. so that they can, you know get you involved in the story and set everything up. And I just, I, I always love not having all the answers mm-hmm. and even though it is gritty and even though it wasn't what I was ex- expecting as far as violence, as far as characters not behaving the way that I've known them to behave, I always like the mystery and finding out how did they wind up like this. Yeah. And the final page of of one character in particular to see them in that way, uh, something something's bad has had to have happened to <laughs> a number of characters that we have not seen yet. Mm-hmm. She so. looked short hair too. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, I I know a lot of a lot of people were iffy on it. I loved it, and mm-hmm. I'm totally totally up for whatever is going to mm-hmm. go on with it. I want to see the rest of it. Well, this is why this is good because you and I are coming from a different perspective. Bob has sat through a lot of these events, and also a lot of Brian Michael Bendis doing Avengers mm-hmm. stories. So, did you read this, Bob? Yeah, read it in the store. Okay. I'll pass. All right. Well, It's just too much mm-hmm. of the same. Here we go again, more events and more death and mm-hmm. destruction and New York taking over with robot stuff. And Now. Oh. Well, I'm, go oh, ahead. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm nearly done, so go right ahead. <laughs> no, um, one more thing that I wanted to mention was that also, it occurred to me, I reread it again today. I think that this might be my first like real end of the world scenario since we started this show. Mm-hmm. Like we've had things here and there, but nothing ever on this scale. Yeah, and involving this much of a, like a dire circumstance with everything in ruin. Mm-hmm. And I think that because it's treading new ground for me, that it's also kind of you know stoked my my appreciation of it is because it is something new for me at least. Yeah, and the same thing for me. You know, it's not something that I've read before, uh, and I, 
you know, I liked it starting out just boom, like here we go, and, and Hawkeye is shooting arrows at people's heads, and they're you know he's on this big rescue mission. Hawkeye is killing it lately. Yeah, he's he's everywhere, <laughs> and he's awesome. And he you know he and he he's really felt you know it, it really felt I felt the immediacy of what was happening, and I, I you know I'm very interested to see how this came to be, and and, and I I'm excited for my first Ultron story. So, uh, Stephanie, did you read this? I did, and I'm with Bob. I mean, I don't hate it, but I'm kind of just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It felt very much like Terminator for me. It was kind of like they watched <laughs> the future scenes in Terminator and were like, let's make a comic book out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dun, yeah, this could dun, work. Dun, dun. This could work. Yeah. Dun, dun, and I'm just kind dun, of like, eh. Like, there were some bits that really kind of caught me, but that shaky stuff that you said was awesome. I was like, for fuck's sake, quit it. <laughs> like, I get what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. but... You're making it really hard to read. Quit it. Yeah, but so, you didn't have to read know. anything. It was just art. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. Like, it was just, I don't know. No, Not I really read, don't. But <laughs> I just didn't feel the same way that you guys felt about it, except for Bob. I'm that's, on Bob's yeah. side. No, that's, that, I mean, and I know this is the book that's that's not going to be for everybody. And, you know, it, it definitely, the tone is very specific, specific. And it's not, if you're not looking for this kind of book, then it's not something you should check out i will say this it's gonna be over in about three months because it comes out about every, every about every week so yeah, it will be over <laughs> relatively quickly uh and we talked about this a little bit i think last week but there are tie-in books but they exist out you're still gonna you're gonna get a fantastic four six and a fantastic four six au so if you don't want to read an ultron story you don't have to i mean obviously if you want to buy every fantastic four book that yeah. comes out like bob is you gotta buy both of them but except for a collecting you know i don't uh, have to read it though no exactly except for a collecting reason you don't have to buy both See, before we got on Mike, you had a question about uh, the Spider-Man of it all. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to know, is it, well, I, I think I know the answer now, yeah. but is it Peter Parker or is it Otto? I'm going to say this, I'm like, I think it's going to, it's definitely Peter. Uh, I think enough time's going to have passed, you know, we, we're all pretty much on the estimation that Peter is, that Otto is not going to be Spider-Man forever. Right. Well, I read something before we, we came on to do the show that um, somebody was saying that like, it doesn't even pay attention to the Marvel now um, setup that like it's, it's completely separate from it, that it happens. Like my, my thing is with an event this big, is this going to affect the Marvel universe after it's over? This doesn't seem like the kind of thing. This seems like its own self-contained story. Well, I mean, he has said that it does have influence on the continuity. How that happens. We don't know yet because we haven't seen what happened to drive us to this, you know, dystopian future that we are now in. Uh, I, I, he, I will say that this is, this event got teased like two years ago or something. So obviously this has been in the works for a very long time. And Hmm. Brian Hitch, the artist is notoriously known for being very late with his art. So they had to, they wanted to get as much of it done before they announced it as possible Hmm. and brought it out. So we'll have to see, uh, how it all factors in. Yeah. It's like I said before, I really wish that there was some kind of like a key or a legend in the (laughs) the credits of comics to tell you whether or not. At this point, whether it's Otto or it's Peter, because I, I personally find it very confusing. To well, tell I think the they all are Otto except for this. That's what my at this point. Yeah, but even in Avengers, the beginning of Avengers wasn't, but now no, it is because you see that last issue of Avengers where they're like, "This guy's acting like a jerk." He's yeah. stealing the food out of the yeah. fridge. Yeah. So I mean, but, but when Avengers one came out, Superior Spider-Man one wasn't even out yet. I know. I, so I just. Uh, it's so weird knowing what happened to him happened and mm. seeing him and it's like, oh, but you're supposed to know 
that this happened before that. Mm-hmm. I just think that it would be nice. I find, <laughs> I find that happens a lot. Maybe I don't keep my ear to the ground as much as I should, but oftentimes there are things that I'm just supposed to know about comics mm-hmm. that I'm reading that I don't know. <laughs> you know, the, the continuity and, and when some of these things happen with like Earth 1 and Earth 2 or mm-hmm. the five-year gap or whatever the hell it is, that nothing's ever really been explained you have to kind of just know that that's the deal yeah well the, no but well, that's d- what the internet's for yeah exactly <laughs> yeah but i don't you really have twitter you have all kinds of resources to kind of, i know it's a pain in the butt to i kind just of be like, i don't what's subs- happening but at the same time for all those things that you don't understand we now have that technology like where we can be like hey does anyone else know what's going on in this is anyone else confused we have like a community that we can well, what about people instantly that instantly get in touch with what about people that don't have access to that, such as like military or people in foreign people countries? People who live under rocks. Hey, uh, like me. Look, all I'm saying internet. is that it doesn't it doesn't take much to have like a little addendum at the bottom of a page to tell you what's up. Look, Stan well, used to always footnote everything. It, a villain showed up. It was remember Diablo from FF30. Right. You know, to drive you into the store. That that meant it's extreme though. When Roy Thomas was writing, uh, you know, All-Star Square and saying, check out All-Star Comics number three, which sells for like, you know, half a million dollars. So thanks a lot, Roy. Uh, I, I will say this, the DC stuff, they've been a horrible job at communicating the timeline of that. Uh, hopefully we'll be corrected with this Batman Superman book coming up and all that other stuff. Uh, you did mention Spider-Man though. Yeah. Uh, and that leads us to your book of the week, Steve. Yeah, my favorite book of the week was Superior Spider-Man number five. Nice. Holy crap. Uh <laughs> I am absolutely loving Superior Spider-Man. I know there's been a lot of uh, people that just haven't been into it. They're not. Uh, they're not on board. Although there's been a lot of converts, there's been yes. a lot of people that did not believe in this and did not like it, and then started reading it. And one or two issues in, I mean, this is evidenced clearly by some of the letters that are in the back of this issue and issues that came before this. Um, I've spoke about this with Rob a couple of times. It is so uh, radically different for this character to be behaving in this way, and there's not uh, there's a lot of comics that have me excited, but as far as foaming at the mouth for the next issue and wanting the next issue in my hands right away, this is at the top of my list for those types of books. Mm-hmm. The, something happened in this issue. I mean, you can probably mm-hmm. guess what it would be mm-hmm. by, just by the cover, but... You know, Spider-Man's doing some really un-Spider-Man-y things, <laughs> and I, like I just <laughs> I just can't wait to see, like, the hammer come down on him, yeah. and for, like, after this issue, people are going to know. Mm-hmm. People are gonna, so, There are already some people that are on to him and that are kind of curious, but after this particular issue, somebody is going to, you know, stop the record and be like, what the hell (laughs) is going on? Something is wrong with Peter. Mm -hmm. Something happened. Is this him? And I just can't wait to see that happen. We know he's going to get kicked out of the Avengers. We know that all this stuff is coming, and this is everything leading up to that, and he's doing things that Spider-Man would never do. And I commend Dan Slott for having the balls not only to do this, But to just take the character in such a different direction. I know people miss Peter and they think that Ghost Peter is a whiny bitch (laughs) and all these little things. But it's all a part of this really, really exciting era in the character's history that is when you do get Peter back, because you will, 
this is going to shape a lot of who that character becomes. The redemption story that Spider-Man is gonna is going to become later on mm-hmm. is gonna be epic. Yeah. And these are all the things that have have led to that and have caused that. Mm-hmm. And for being different, for being exciting, for being mysterious. I just think that it's it's a really wild read. I mean, people are dying, mm-hmm. you know, and it's his fault. Mm-hmm. And people are starting to, or characters, I should say, are starting to pick up on that fact. And to me, the, he's already been doing stuff, but this is the issue where everyone is going to take notice. It's all over the news what went down and there are going to be people knocking on his door and asking questions. Right. And I can't wait to see what happens in two weeks Mm -hmm. after what went on in this. And I just, you know, age of Ultron, I loved, and I read a couple other cool things, but this particular book, I put it down and I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. like I'm so, so psyched. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And what I really like about the end, which is, you know, what's the breaking point that Steve is talking about Otto does something very bad, but it doesn't come from a place of Otto being this nefarious villain. Mm-hmm. It comes from this place of uh, of a damaged person who now is faced with scenarios he's never to face before. And I like it, it, it. You know, we I said in the first issue that I didn't like reading this this Spider Man Otto Octavius. Yeah, I now really enjoy and find him really intriguing to read about because. You know, they've started to show layers of his character when he was so upset and so incensed that the vulture was using children as you know his kind of slaves or what have you. The mm-hmm. way he reacted to that was really it w- was not how I expected him to react. And th- the same thing with here, you know, and this kind of thing, you know, people he has this where he kind of basically says people don't change, and you know, yeah. and it's funny because that's what the whole book is about. And mm-hmm. I, I like to see cool questions like that yeah, being brought up. I mean, it's it's awesome. And I mean, the, he's doing things in ways that Peter never did, rescuing yeah. people in ways that Peter never yeah. did, that he's coming up with, you know, he's got his spider bots all over the city mm-hmm. and he's anticipating moves of villains because he was a villain or he mm-hmm. is a villain. And he just, he has a working knowledge of what they do and how they operate. And he's using that in conjunction with trying to be a hero. And it's just, he's... To me, Spider-Man's become like one of the best anti-heroes, and I can't stand anti-heroes. Right. Um, and it's just it's it's really cool to see the progression. Mm-hmm. Him stopping and and second thing and be like, why why do I care about this child that I just pulled out of the way and I gave away my position? Mm-hmm. Why did I do that? Yeah. And it's it's just so cool. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And neither Bob or Stephanie, you guys aren't reading it, right? No, man. Not yet. Okay. I've been cool. collecting them. I might check it out probably will check it out but it's not like my priority right now right absolutely okay cool all right so uh moving on bump what do you got for uh us? quickly quickly here because we are running on a time we're fine schedule. we're good yeah, right okay. now. um good. world's finest number 10 uh paul levitz kevin mcguire no george perez this time i think he's exited the title i don't know why no uh, kim mcguire is leaving yeah, yeah, I know that for sure. I, I, I sort of think George has too. Yeah. Uh, great colors by Rosemary Cheatham, particularly in this one passage. But we begin here with, with Kara trying to figure out who invaded her lab, stole her machine that was going to get them back to Earth 2, discovers Michael Holt, who is Mr. Terrific, mm-hmm. over there missing, but then he shows up. <laughs> We're not going to know what that's going on with that. But where this book really stands out is, is Helena visiting the grave site uh, yeah. of a character who yes. we've recently met a demise mm-hmm. in, in a very big event book. Yeah. 
and the panels are just the, the color palettes here, the, the the rain pouring down, yeah, really touching. This is really the first book to to deal with. It is the fallout yeah. here, and she almost meets her not father. She does. Yeah, it's is, a very interesting moment. Mm-hmm. We don't know where that will still go yet. No, uh, however long this book is going to last, mm-hmm. but uh, really nicely done. So if even if you haven't been reading this one, this is not the jumping on point of all. You need to go back no. a couple issues, but mm-hmm. um, it's good if you, if you want some filling out of the emotional impact of what happened over in yeah. Ink. I hope if this book goes out, I at least hope those characters end up prominent in other books because yeah. they're great characters, great characters, and they do. He does a very good job of handling that emotional scene. Uh, it was definitely affecting. Did you think so? Yeah. Obviously, because you just said Yeah, it. yeah, I do think. You didn't like it? No, it wasn't that I didn't like it. I just, I wasn't as affected by it as I'd anticipated. I had talked mm-hmm. to Bob about it earlier, and I read it, and I did like it. I did appreciate it, but um, I don't know if it was the art. I used to really, really love the art of this book, and then lately, it's, I don't know why. I don't know. It's not doing it for me. It's a little thick. In a way, I'd, I'm probably not describing it uh, as best as I as I could. Um, it does feel heavier? <laughs> no, it's the the. I guess the panels with the the rain coming down, and everything. I do like. Ah, I, ah it's a spoilery. Shit. <laughs> All right, somebody's in the bushes. Yeah. And <laughs> that that aspect of it, I really liked because it it toyed with a whole other emotional aspect within an already emotional scene mm-hmm. uh i just thought it was a little short well yeah but uh, i mean it's much better than what was in detective because there was nothing there was like a page in detective oh, i didn't even read that, that dealt crap. with it I, I thumbed through that in the store to yeah back. uh so yeah i mean it's not going to be that much i mean it's not the book to do it in you no know? I, yeah, but... I understand and i and i do appreciate i i appreciate they even did it at all mm-hmm. yeah um uh, apparently this book is becoming collectible yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. Because it doesn't have the whole Requiem, logo. Yeah. Like, yeah, logo on it, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy stuff. And then the actual book of the week in honor of our guest, it's a big hardcover from back in 2005. Then you're saying, why is he doing that? Well, it's <laughs> Best of the Fantastic Four Volume 1. Uh, and it really isn't a best of as much as it's a sampler with stories from across the entire story mm-hmm. of, of this group from 1 to 2005 at that point. So you're getting... Lee and Kirby, you're getting issues 1, 39 and 40, 51 and 100, 116, 176, 214, 236. You, you got stuff from the Wade era mm-hmm. all into some of the sidebar issues like Marvel 2 and 1 where the two things collide. Ben Grimm goes back in the past figuring, well, Reed gives him a formula, change it back, it doesn't work. And Reed says, this would have changed you back when you first changed into the thing. So he grabs Dr. <laughs> Doom's machine, I'll go fix it. Well, you can't, but he fixes him. So it's a really lovely little moment. I love the cover of uh, of this hardcover. It's awesome. The four we, different uh, eras of art. Right. Well, you've got you've got on the cover. You've got a, a Kirby, a Burn. This is a, a Rowingo, and I I'm not sure who that one is. I would have to check on that one. Mm. We've got Sue down the corner. Anyway, this book again. We've got some of the greatest issues ever. You know, lovely slick pages, all recovered. And this is a thirty dollar book when it came out. It's on Amazon right now for seven bucks. What what? <laughs> So if, looking for a quick history lesson and uh, things to pick up. Mm-hmm. Great introduction to the to Fantastic Four if you've been, heard it on the show every show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and are curious and you got seven bucks to spare. Yeah. 
Just grab one, but don't grab it before I do. There's a yeah. lot of uh, <laughs> there's a bunch of Fantastic Four issues on that Comicsology sale as well. There is uh, number ones from all, all different eras and all different things. They've got some of the side stories. Uh, you know, they've got the uh, Fantastic Four one two three four, the Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. They story. got that crazy. Um, the uh, the Spanish one, yeah, that the I, one that Steve no, was talking so about. So yeah. awesome. The art in that is so great. Yeah, so it's it's a good time to jump onto that stuff, yep. and you're probably gonna want to after you hear the two guests in the next couple of days yeah. talk about it. Um, anything else, Bob? That's it for me. All right, Stephanie, let's finish off with you. What? Um, well, I didn't really have anything that was particularly like. I absolutely love this, but I wanted to talk about a couple things. So, um, first of all, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, maybe last week. I don't know when was the last time I was on the show. Last week. Last week. Last week. Anyways, um, I think I had mentioned that I was trying to catch up with the Avengers, and I said I had been reading the first issues. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I hadn't read the new Avengers yet, so I read that today, and I I just read the first issue, and I don't even understand what the hell's going on. <laughs> I'm yeah. just like, and I know Hickman's on our show, and maybe he can clarify things for me, but I'm like, what? <laughs> which which Avengers? New Avengers, new Avengers or Avengers? You said New Avengers, right? Okay. New Avengers. Yeah. Uh, the first issue to me is the most confusing of all of them. Once you get past one, it starts to solidify what's going on. Although but, there yeah, are about I'm, four pages of the second one that'll put, yeah. your, put your brain I'm in I'm really a glad I waited and now I have like the other issues because mm-hmm. once we're finished up here, I'm going to go check out the other ones and mm-hmm. see if it's something that I want to carry on with. Um, and I mean, from what I know about Hickman, you know, mm-hmm. I probably will, but I'm like, <laughs> I, I, what? What? <laughs> it's a lot. What? Yeah, there's a lot. He, he, he loves the Black Panther. He yeah. needs to set that character up as the strong leader he is, which is uh, going to take you into the next three issues. Hey, well, the first which part is of the actually, issue is not confusing. It's the second part of the issue that's confusing. Right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, and it's actually like something that I will probably try and keep up with because I'm not familiar with that character at all. And I mean, aside from what I've seen in like Avengers: Earth's Mightiest Heroes, mm-hmm. which really isn't that much so far because I haven't finished that. But anyways, um, I mean, he's a character that I want to know a little bit more. So <sighs> I'm hoping it'll clear up for me. Um, but then I also read, um, I don't know if you guys talked about this while I was away or not, but um, I read Retrovirus by Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray. No, I mean, we didn't talk about um, it at all, actually. Okay. Um, I believe it's just collected in um, just a graphic novel now. Um, but it was originally funded by Kickstarter, and it's now published through Image. Okay. So basically, the best way I can kind of describe it is it's 28 Days Later meets Contagion meets Encino Man. But <laughs> buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's just, but it's like not comedic at all. Like, do they wheeze the juice? <laughs> what? Do they wheeze the juice? Gosh. <laughs> Anyways. So basically, it's the story of this woman who um, is a scientist, and she kind of gets this really cool, important job. Like, she gets kind of lured in. She doesn't ever want to work for one of those pharmacy com- pharmaceutical companies, but she kind of gets lured in because they have this, you know, discovery of a lifetime. And um, uh, you might be able to guess from the Encino Man thing that it maybe involves Neanderthals. And... Um, <laughs> Real ones, I, not some of the congoers we've encountered. <laughs> yeah, okay. the real ones from, like, you know, a long time ago. Gotcha. <laughs> and um, basically, uh, she's kind of studying how um, they kind of, like, were wiped out. I mean, okay. 
there's like evolution and all that stuff, but there's <laughs> there's like evolution, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Shut up! All right, I'm trying to explain. It. Anyways, I won't try to explain it anymore. But it's it's really neat. I don't know how I feel so much about the art. Like sometimes I really like it, and then sometimes the faces are weird, and I, I don't. I don't know. It's just hard to describe, but like it's a really face. interesting read. It's all collected in one, so you don't have to kind of wait for each issue. And um, it was a different story to kind of check out. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm not really explaining it very well, so I apologize. But <laughs> it's it was just really interesting. It was original and fresh to me. So um, I enjoyed it. And it's graphic. There are a lot of heads being ripped off. <laughs> and um, there are some seriously angry cavemen. Like really angry. I so want a Pauly Shore marathon when I go home tonight. Like some wow. in the army now, some uh, oh son-in-law God. and biodome. You're yeah. on your own on this one. Yeah. Oh, it's so um, good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, so the uh, last one that I'll kind of just finish up with, because I know we are running a bit long here, like Bob said, but um, I mentioned last week uh, Ryan Estrada's Kickstarter project that um, – <clears throat> I had funded and I wound up getting um, Ryan Andrews, Nothing is Forgotten. I was kind of going through those comics again and I discovered another one, which is called The Dog's Sins by Casey Green. And it's like K and then C, like the letters, not uh, Casey. Okay. Anyways, um, but this is, again, one of the short comics I got through this Kickstarter. And basically it's this story of this girl. Her mother's kind of like, go take the dog out to poop. He needs to poop. Just go watch him. He's old. And Aww. instead of like just pooping on the lawn, the dog like pisses off and like goes through the woods. She's chasing him. And she's like, ah, stupid dog. Ah. And it's just this ridiculous story where the dog like flops over and she thinks he's dead. <laughs> and the all end. of a sudden, all of a sudden they get beamed up to heaven or like the judgment center. All and it's like, heaven. This giant pyramid with eyes is kind of just like... <laughs> Word. He's going to judge the dog. He's like, this dog is old and he has done some bad shit. And someone <laughs> needs to like... Because since dogs don't have souls, someone needs to answer for the dog. And she's like, what? He's a dog. I just took him out to poop. <laughs> and basically the guy, the pyramid thing, the judgment guy, throws down this like stack of like the dog's crimes. And he's like... <laughs> You know, larceny, grand theft auto, drugs. And like then at the last one, she's like, the thing's like murder. My dog murdered? And you see like this little Polaroid of the dog like with a gun in its mouth. (laughs) (laughs) It is like the most ridiculous comic I've ever read. And I don't really, I can't really tell you what happens. I don't really understand what happens, but it made me laugh. And it ends abruptly. And I was just like, did I just dream that comic up? What? <laughs> but um, it, it's hilarious. And um, I've, I was trying to find like a link to uh, where you could pick it up and check it out beforehand. And I wasn't able to find anything uh, where you could buy it, but I found a preview of it. So you can kind of see the part where the dog's getting judged for murder. <laughs> and I'll post up the link uh, on the post, but yeah, it was, it's pretty hilarious. And I'm, Really, really, really appreciating the fact that I funded this Kickstarter. Fund Kickstarters, people, because they bring us awesome things like murder dogs, but not dogs being murdered. Right. Good. So, because that'd be bad. Yeah, that'd absolutely be bad. All right. So, those are our books of the week. Uh, Before we go, I just I uh, looked up 
the writer for the new Swamp Thing book, his name is Charles, is there Soul or Sole? It's S-U-L-E. So okay. um, he's done a couple of creator-owned things, you know, independent stuff, a book called 27 and a book called Strange Attractors. So he is the new Swamp Thing writer. So uh, there we go. That's it for our book of the week. Uh, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and we're going to answer some listener questions and then get out of here. Uh, so we'll see you guys after the break. Like we said, we have uh, two interviews coming with you guys. We have uh, Matt Fraction on Friday, Jonathan Hickman on Monday. So we're gonna, this show is going to be a little bit shorter than normal, but we are not leaving you yet. We are going to do some listener questions. We had some yes, uh, last week that we didn't get to. I also got some emails uh, to go over as well. Remember, um, what's his face? BJ's emails from oh, female. Oh, that's right. Yeah, BJ, <laughs> we would use Dr. Hookass. He used to go, email. I'm a female. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> This is from Anthony, and Anthony, I apologize. You know that we're horrible at saying last names. It's it's uh, Stephanie. I'm gonna spell it out for you and see if you can uh, oh. pronounce it. All right, B B Y A R U H A N G A. Okay, wait, once more. B Y. Yeah, Steve, read it. Steve took the email from me. Uh, B Y A R U H A N G A. Oh. Baruhanga? Baruhanga, that's yeah. what I'm going to say. All right. <laughs> please please uh, write in and let us know actually how to say it. But um, Anthony says, this is about the Batwing uh, art, uh, team change that's happening. Uh, Jim, uh, Justin Gray and Jim Palmiotti are taking over uh, Batwing. Uh, Hi, Talking Comics. Love the show. I'm new to comics, and it helped me get a grip on which authors, themes, topics might interest me the most. My favorite, my favorite Talking Comic recommendations so far have been Wild Children, uh, Mark Wade's Daredevil, and Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four. I consider myself an amateur writer, and being both that and African, hearing about the new writers taking over Batwing made me wonder if there are any writers who might culturally be more suited to do a job like this. Foreign eyes tend to give a very stunted impression of the continent that ends up falling short of its potential. Hmm. It's very interesting uh, a take there. Um, and you know, my, my honest answer is I, I, I don't know uh, writers, any writers who are of an African descent. And I mean, I mean from the actual continent of Africa, I think I know two. Uh, who? Um, I believe. Um, oh my God. From Zenoscope. Uh, Raven, uh, Raven Gregory. Oh really? I believe is mm-hmm. African American. And, um, uh, well, I don't mean African American. I mean actually, like, like, uh, like parents are from the like African continent or oh, oh yeah, that, oh, yeah, that, no, I'm not sure. Yeah, that I, I don't mm. know. Um, that is an interesting uh, take on it, though. Uh, you know, I think a good writer with the right research and, and the right deftness can can achieve that. But it's certainly for something that's taking place. It, like you know, an, the African Batman, which is something you know, Africa is not a place you see a lot of comics set in. You know, you see, the people will go there in books, but I don't. That's that's a that's a that's an interesting question, Bob. What do you think about that? You can certainly, as you say, think your way around the problem, mm-hmm. but it isn't the same as experiencing it. Yeah. So in this case, would a larger search for an author 
provided them with someone. There, there must be mm-hmm. somewhere in the industry. As we said, we know African American authors, but mm-hmm. that is a that's a different animal right there. Yeah. We're looking at something different. Uh, that is a great question. Yeah, very much so. I mean, Stephanie, what do you think about that? Uh, that's like a really hard question to kind of. <laughs> I don't know. As for like the. I, I'm sorry. I don't actually know kind of how to answer that. Okay. I, mean, I, I thought I had words, and then, you know, I didn't. You thought you had words? <laughs> I thought I did. Yeah. Whoops. I mean, that's a, that, but that is an excellent way to go about it. I mean, we, we often talk <laughs> about uh, female representation in mm-hmm. comics uh, and female writers writing female characters, and we haven't really talked about this side of it, and that would really make a difference, you know, most likely. There are things you can get at, uh, problems that you just know about, you know, ticks that, and cultural uh, differences that you can perceive uh, and understand better because you've been in them uh, that just are not there for people who haven't lived in that situation. You know, minus color of the skin. I'm talking about that, you know, Stephanie, yeah? I'm I'm just kind of like looking on... um like one of the databases and seeing a lot of artists from like Africa. Uh, and if they're not, I don't know, but think, I mean, there's some artists that, you know, again, they're saying it's from Africa. I don't know how reliable this information is, but seems to be a lot of artists that have been worked on major titles, like uncanny X-Men X factor, Punisher, um, other things. I don't know how the art would necessarily, uh, kind of reflect in the work as opposed to the writer, but mm-hmm. still, yeah. I yeah, mean, having a team, having okay. a team that, you know, mm-hmm. like, like we, we know, you're going to hear us talk to uh, Matt Fraction um, on Friday, and he much, very much talks about the, the, the team nature and the, the, the symbiotic nature of working with an artist. So I think that would absolutely inform back. Um, but, uh, Anthony, thank you so much for writing in, because that, that's just a great question and something really to think about as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's another question. This is from, it's more, it's a question and a statement. This is from Edwin. Uh, uh, actually, it says, it's, oh, Pedro. Sorry, I was looking at his, his middle name. His name is Pedro. Uh, hello, I'm Pedro. I'm a longtime listener to your podcast. Over the past few episodes, a lot of questions have been coming to mind, and I finally decided to vocalize them. Before the questions, though, one of the more controversial topics in comics is Orson Scott Card writing Superman. I read Orson's books a couple of years ago before I knew about his views on gay marriage and how outspoken he is about those views. And while I can, I can admit I enjoyed the book, ever since I found out about his views, I've had a bad taste in my mouth and can't enjoy it like it, I once did. While his views aren't directly reflected in his books, I can't support an author uh, that doesn't believe in equal rights. While DC may be behind when it comes to supporting lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people in comics, I feel that DC hiring Orson is taking a step, a st- taking a step back. All right, so thank you very much, Pedro, for that. But he says, now on to the questions. Um, I've never checked out the comics before because the only exposure I've had to the characters were in the movies, which never really made me want to read more about the characters and just made me want to forget about them. Whenever I hear Bob or Steve talk about FF or Fantastic Four, Oops. I immediately groan and say, not again. But finally, after hearing Steve and Bob talk about FF and Fantastic Four so much, I decided to check out the comics. We beat it into you. <laughs> so my question is, what are some good story arcs I should check out, and where is a good jumping on point for the current ongoing comics? Well, now we have a perfect jumping on point. It's four issues ago. Yeah. yeah. Where, where Matt Fraction took mm. over. Yeah. 
So you, they will definitely wash the taste of those two horrible movies out of your mouth. Yeah. You can guarantee yourself that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hickman Run is certainly a great one to go with. Very involved, but wonderfully deep storytelling. I am always going to tell you. I mean, sitting here in front of me, we, 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 all my book of the week is actually my copy of Fantastic Four number one is sitting on the table in front of me. You cannot... You cannot read this series without knowing where it came from. And as Steve has discovered, it, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to go back and read yeah. those. And they're available now in all sorts of cheapy collections, trade paperback editions. Or for free from Marvel. Yeah. Digitally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so certainly do that. The John Byrne run is excellent. Uh, Mark Wade's, uh, Mike Waringo's as well. Um, if I could just chime in for a Please? second. I'll just tell you really quick uh, how I came into the Fantastic Four, obviously because of uh, Bob's love for them. But I started at uh, issue number 600 of Hickman's run and worked my way to the end and, you know, weaving in uh, Future Foundation when, um, you know, in between that. But the way I read it is that I read it from 600 forward and went to the end and then went back to the beginning of Hickman's run, uh, volumes one through four, and caught up that way. Um, it's not necessarily the way that you should read it, but I'll tell you that to this day, it's been the most rewarding comic book experience I've ever had in my life uh, of reading a story or reading books to fill in the gaps and just see all the pieces fall into place. It was almost the not knowing that was best for me. And my advice to you above anything else is if it seems confusing, if it seems daunting and huge, that's because it is. And you should just power through it and keep going because eventually it will all make sense. And it is seriously, it is one of the most rewarding experiences you'll have in comics, I hope. Uh, It's Fantastic Four and FF both are, in my opinion, uh, that I've formed over the last year and a half, two years, is just what comics are supposed to be about. It's about adventure, about family, heroics, and comedy, and love, and tragedy, and all of those things you will find somewhere within the Fantastic Four uh, franchise. Well said. Uh, And he says, and so no one feels left out. Stephanie, what are some good indie comics to check out? Oh, man. (laughs) Her brain just blew up. I know. Somebody's asking me things. Um, Dog goes to heaven. (laughs) Well, most of the things that I think I recommend I talk about on a fairly regular basis. Um, I mean, I'm a little bit happy now that Bobby's read Rachel Rising and can kind of back me up on this. It's Um, fantastic. really believe it's one of the best comics out there. And you'll Google a synopsis of it, I suspect, and it'll seem really generic. But it's just such an original take on something that's been done over and over again. Mm-hmm. And um, Terry Moore is absolutely brilliant. And uh, I, I don't think I can hi- recommend something as highly as I recommend this book. I mean, Revival to me is great. But Rachel Rising is consistently, consistently awesome. And not enough people are reading it. Thank God he's self-publishing it. Because I think if this was... Um, from another company, a lot of people would have dropped it by now, but I, every issue surprises me with where they're going, mm. and it just makes me want it a new issue even more. And I, you know, you didn't, you don't think that you could want this issue more than you wanted the last one, and you just keep on mm. Gah, craving, craving. <laughs> keep on keeping on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I hope that kind of made sense, but um, absolutely, yeah, it's. 
so great. And mm-hmm. the art is phenomenal, even though it's just black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Um, and I've mentioned Ryan Andrews again. And if you're like looking to kind of sample um, some comics, his web comics are phenomenal. I talked about him last week and briefly this week. And again, when we were discussing Sarah and the Seed, but it's such a wonderful comic that I think everyone should read. Even people who don't read comics. It's so, um, it almost, it's like a children's story, like a fairy tale. And I think everyone can enjoy that too. And it can help you get into um, some indie web comic stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'll say about Rachel Rising is just, it's one of these books. And I think it sometimes just happens with great literature and great TV. You're reading it. And when, when you did a, you did a very, you did a great job of explaining it. But for me, I can't even explain the reasons why I think it's so great. It doesn't fit into those normal, you know, platitudes you send out for comic books. And it's awesome. This was so cool. Uh, you know, whatever. What you know, it's suspenseful. It is suspenseful. It has scary moments. Really great character stuff. It's just, it, it's one of the best things out there. Uh, yeah, right it's, now. it's just dark and creepy, and but it's has moments where it's tender and sweet too mixed in with um, like this really spooky kind of uh, setting. And I, I don't know. It's, I mean, everyone else, if you're not reading it too, please hop on. It's available. I think in at least two volumes now, and they're fairly reasonably cheap. So um, look that up. Everyone, yeah. Rachel rising, Terry Moore. Absolutely. Uh, he also he asks what books should be on everybody's pull list to me for my not left out question, and you know we it's just books that we talk about all the time. You know I for me like if I had no money and you know if I had book enough for you know three books a month, four books a month, like one book a month, uh, one book a week, it would probably it would be you know Daredevil, Batman. And, and and then the others kind of change a little bit, you know, depending on, on what I'm feeling, you know. But Hawkeye, absolutely, you know, th- th- these books are the books that I, I can't that I get excited for when uh, Rob takes them out of the boxes <laughs> on Wednesday. You know, is what I'm I'm grabbing for. Uh, so uh, you know, th- those are for me. And he also has, uh, uh, and I'll put this to Steve and everybody else too. Anyone yep. who's read the, um the preview or maybe not uh what do you believe about the upcoming constantine comic uh jeff lemire ray fox i i read the there's there's been like a three page preview i believe in all the dc books i think it's about three pages uh i think it seems really cool it seems different than the justice league dark stuff it seems a little a little bit more hellblazery than what they've been doing in justice league dark uh listen if you put jeff lemire's name on anything i'm at least going to read it for a couple of issues so you've, you've you got me there so uh, i'm in for it and he's a character i really want to know more about and read more about i think we talked about that when we talked about series that we wanted to to do more of so for me i'm really excited about it steve um i believe it or not i've not read the preview oh yeah i've seen it uh probably about 60 times by now uh going through books and i don't know what's i i I feel like like I don't play demos. Mm-hmm. I don't. I do watch trailers, but um, I feel like it's a tease, and I know that it's on its way. So I'm just gonna wait for the number one issue for the full product to you know to read it. But um, just like you said, uh, Jeff Lemire is in my top five favorite comic book writers, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll read anything that he's attached to, and, and at least check it out for a while. 
Uh, I've grown to like Constantine a lot from reading uh, Justice League Dark. I just recently caught up with all of that. And uh, he's got a lot of personality. So, I mean, I, I've never read Hellblazer. Uh, Hellblazer. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so it'll be my first, not my first introduction to the character, but it'll be, be much more uh, personal and, I guess, intimate uh, being his his own book. Mm. So I'm definitely on board for a couple of issues, and hopefully it uh, snags me in. Yeah. Stephanie, what about you? Okay, sorry. It cut out when I heard Ray Fox and everything, but... What was the title? Oh, we're talking about Constantine, the Jeff okay, Lemire. Okay, perfect. Yeah. That's what I thought. I was like going on what I was picking up afterwards, but it cut <laughs> out just when you were saying the title, and I was like, oh, goddammit, Skype. <laughs> Anyways, um, I, I'm definitely excited for it. I don't really know much about Constantine other than, you know, the Keanu Reeves movie, and that's not really a great way to get introduced to the character even though it's kind of a guilty pleasure of mine i I really like that movie but it's not at all the character that's in the comic book yeah exactly yeah yeah um but it's something that i would definitely read i mean like you said bobby with jeff lemire attached to it why wouldn't you Mm -hmm. like you'd be stupid not to check it out (laughs) so i mean yeah i haven't (laughs) seen the preview though um, that's yeah. what you were also saying, yeah? Yeah, it's in the back of at least the print editions mm-hmm. of all the DC books this month, this past week. I haven't read... I And I'm like Steve. I don't really like reading the previews. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just rather wait for the whole issue since it's... I don't know. I, I just think it's a better way to uh, get into it. You may or may not like it from the glimpse you get. And I'm sure they put a good glimpse of it. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have included it. Right. But... Um, for me, I just read it. Would rather read it as a whole mm. issue, so I'll wait. Yeah, it's also very tricksy because you're reading a book, a DC book, and you're like, "Oh, there's so much more left," <laughs> and then you get to the end, you're like, "What?" Because there's a chunk of Constantine. Mm-hmm. Bob, I don't even know if you've ever read any Hellblazer or anything in the nope, past. Never so. have. I <laughs> flip through it quickly because mm-hmm. I don't like reading them either. Right. Because uh, there is a sort of spoilery thing. We introduce a character yeah. that I knew from years ago, right? And it looked interesting. Mm-hmm. I was just flipping through on my way to Channel 52, that wonderful oh, oh, piece at the back of the book. It's the worst. <coughs> piece of crap. Yeah, the, the worst thing in the world. Uh, I mean, so you probably look through it in, yeah. in the store. Cause, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll take a yeah. pass. Your DC poll list is not very long. It's down to two. And yeah. if uh, I just saw some June solicits and J.H. Williams writing but not drawing. Yeah, he did that for a while already because uh, he's doing... Uh, From Batwoman? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, he was. He did that for a while. Uh, oh, Amy Reader did. Uh, Amy Reader did issue. some stuff. Yeah, uh, on that. Mm. Yeah. So, but I mean, no, it'd be more than two because you read Batgirl still. So Batgirl, world's yeah. finest. Well, world's Roman. finest at well, we'll seventeen thousand, and I'll, we'll I'll, I'll Batgirl. <laughs> yeah, Let's be reading Batgirl. <laughs> All right, this is from uh, John. Hey guys, just in the middle of listening to your last show and the whole Orson Scott card debate came up again. I wanted to throw my two cents into this debate. Go First, I it. want to say that I am bisexual and have many friends that pepper the entire spectrum of sexuality. I also studied theater in college and I'm currently working at a Manhattan-based catering company. So I don't think I go a day without seeing a friend of mine who is gay. That being said, I, I love Card's work. I once read the first three of his Ender's Game saga books in one summer and they changed my life for the better. However, now that I'm older and... and now that I'm older and I've seen how horrible the man is, I had no choice but to divorce him from that work that has forever left an imprint on my life. I know this is not the same for everyone, but now I always try to look at the work and not the flawed man behind it. 
That being said, though, I don't feel as bad getting his work through alternative means, in quotes. I'm guessing that means (laughs) stealing it. So that despite still following his work, I don't support him financially. Uh, Also, this might might be a fun discussion to have. Uh, What are your favorite gay comic book characters? I'm currently loving Bunker and Teen Titans, and in a weird way, want him and Red Robin to start hooking up, despite Tim Drake being straight, a boy (laughs) can dream. Nice. (laughs) Thank you very much. That's what fan fiction's for. Yep. (laughs) Um... I really enjoy. Um, I uh, absolutely adore um, Wiccan and Hulkling yeah. in uh, Young Avengers. That's what I'm gonna say, yeah, and um, uh, Batwoman. Mm-hmm. Batwoman through and through. She is my favorite, aside from Batman himself mm-hmm. of the Bat family. Uh, I love Kate Kane, and there's one more that I really. Ah, oh, why is this escaping me? <laughs> I'll think about it. Now. I'll think of it in a second. If somebody else wants to go, okay. Uh, I definitely agree, Batwoman. I just said North Star from back in Alpha Flight, right at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. Who's uh, the one? I'm sorry. Who's the one from Astonishing X Men that that was recently married? That's, that is it is him. North Star. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, he's he's great as well. Yeah. Uh, um, Shatterstar and Richter, right yes. from uh, X Factor, uh, are great. Uh, you know, it's. It's, we're saying mostly all Marvel characters here, except for Batwoman, uh, who is awesome. I mean, Kate Kane is. The, the, the best thing about all these characters that we're mentioning is that the people who write them don't treat their sexuality as who they are in an entirety. You, you know what I mean? Absolutely. It's not, there's not just, you know, they're gay, so they're going to do, you know, all this crazy stuff. This is just part of who they are. Just like every character who's straight isn't always talking about how straight they are. You know, you're not going to have a gay character always talking about how gay they are. So I, I like that a lot. Uh, Stephanie, is there anybody we didn't mention? Absolutely. Um, and I think Steve's going to kick himself for not thinking of this one. Um, it's Carolina Dean from The Runaways. Oh, I, <laughs> as soon as you said something, I knew, I knew it. Yeah. So, meh. No, not meh. I love her. She is like one of the best. She probably, aside from Molly, she is my favorite character in Runaways, and she is awesome. And um, she's super powerful. She kicks ass. And the best part about it, and like her character and like Batwoman and stuff is their sexuality isn't, you know, the forefront of the comic. They don't make a big issue of it. It's just there. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. They don't kind of flaunt it. It's just who they are. And I think that's the best way to write it is to not kind of make a big deal of it. And Carolina Dean is just so incredible. And if you haven't read Runaways and um, you are really into cool gay characters, it's seriously fantastic. Well, it's one of the real problems in that we, over at DC, where they had Obsidian, who was Alan Scott's son, mm-hmm. a great character. Yeah. Again, that's sort of just part and parcel of what, who he was, not yeah. all that he was, right. replaced by what seemed like a gimmick mm-hmm. with Alan Scott. Yeah, It's funny, you know, James Robinson talked about that at, at uh, Emerald City. And he said the reason, you know, it wasn't DC who came to him, he went to DC. The reason he did that was because he, he hated the fact that they had cut out uh, that character Obsidian, and it, so he wanted to make Alan gay in kind of tribute to the fact that Obsidian had been, you know, know. taken no, out of the that, universe. Nice, but the execution—the execution was very terrible. Poor. Yeah. Like I said, you know, the good intentions, bad execution. Yeah. But uh, I thought that was a, a, a interesting to see behind the curtain a little bit about yeah. why it was done. Well, I, I appreciate that more now. I didn't. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Oh my. Um, you know, we you know we we mentioned too when uh, Batman Twelve came out. Uh, uh, Harper Rose's a brother yes. who is a central yes. part of that character is gay and you know, obviously he's a little he's a bit character in that but it, written very very well 
Um, so th- they, things do exist and they're out there. Uh, but thank you so much uh, for emailing. Thank. I want to say that the way our readers and listeners have responded to the Oath and Scar card thing, the, the kind of cool debates they've brought up has been really nice. You know, there hasn't been any uh, underhandedness. There hasn't been any meanness. And I, I, I've really enjoyed... There's been a maturity to Yes, them. and th- that's great. Um, this is from uh, John D. on Twitter. And he says, uh, any apps you can recommend for tracking weekly comic book releases, purchases? Yes. How do you keep track of your weekly buys? This is apropos because I think... But Steve and I both have been trying something out. Different did you things. Did you try it? I tried something else out. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, all right, I'll go, go first. first. Yeah. Um, an app is in the works, but uh, if you go to stashmycomics.com, they um, are a very, very, I found up-to-date uh, database for comics. Uh, you're going to have to sit there and go through your long boxes and type everything in, but once you type in a series... Um, they have like a, a select all button that you can just, you know, you can select all the issues that you have. Um, but as far as like having you covered, they've got all the variants. They've got so many options for you to find the one that you bought specifically uh, that it's almost fun to go through them because you get to see the other ones. You get to see the variant covers that you didn't get and that maybe you might want. And one of the other cool aspects of it, aside from keeping uh, all your folders nice and neat, is that it tabulates, and this is where I I love it because I I like it's like almost like a self abuse <laughs> that they'll tell you just how much money you're spending on comics. They'll tell you how much your uh, your stash is worth. They'll tell you how much it's accrued uh, value wise since you got it. Um, all kinds of really cool things. It's uh, very friendly and you know just a lot of fun. It's it's time consuming. But it's what you want is you want order and you want you want neatness mm-hmm. when making something like that. And they've got that. Uh, and an app for your phone is on the way so that you can update on the go. Like, let's say if you go to the comic shop mm-hmm. and you purchase your stuff and you're kind of hanging out and talking like we do, you could enter your books in right there. Um, I believe sometime this year, uh, relatively soon, that's coming. You have to data entry, type the titles in? Yeah, you have to type the titles in. Well, here's the, I, maybe I'm thinking outside the box and I don't own a cell phone. Since you can cash your checks now by taking a picture of your phone, why can't you scan they have that the UPC too. code? Yeah. Well, I'm going to say, I'll tell you, that I've been using this thing called CLZ uh, Comics, and it's a, it's a paid app. Uh, the app is $10. It's universal, so if you have an iPad and an iPhone, it gets on both. Uh, and then they have this... Uh, they have this service, kind of this cloud service, uh, and it's twenty dollars a year to use it. But you can it will it will you can sync from your computer, your phone, and your tablet. So if you change your tablet, you hit upload. It uploads to the server, and then you can download it on any one of these devices. Um, you know, it has a if you since it's on the phone and the iPad, it has a scanner on it, so you can scan UPC codes, and you can either it has an option where you can either scan. Um, you know, just uh, the part of the barcode, so the whole series will come up, or the entire barcode, so the exact issue you're scanning will pop up. Hmm. Uh, so it scans either part of the UPC code or the full UPC code. Uh, the coolest thing about the app is the visual nature of it. Uh, the, it gives you all the cover art for everything, and it gives it to you in a very, like, almost... There are options, but it gives you almost like an iTunes cover flow, uh. so you can scroll through them. If you double click on it, all the information comes up, like the picture of the cover, uh, you know, the 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 creative team, uh, the description of the book, 
you can go in and edit stuff if you want to. You can, you know, so sometimes like if you have a trade of Fantastic Four and then like a bunch of issues, they won't appear in the same folder, you know, but you can, you can change it so they appear in the same folder. So now I have like all my, all the Hickman Fantastic Four stuff I have is all in one folder. Hmm. It allows you to make a wish list as well. That, that, Functionality is a little bit off because you actually have to add things to your collection and then transform to wish list. You can't take them right from like the the list of books to your mm-hmm. wish list. Uh, but for me, it's really helpful because sometimes when I'm at the on the shop and I want to fill in stuff in my collection, or uh, you know, I'm at Rob's looking for something to fill in my collection. I don't remember. Do I have? I missed two issues of this. Do I have ten and eleven? Do I have twelve and thirteen? It really allows you to really quickly look on your phone and be like. It actually says like has twenty four to sixty two and seventy five to eighty four, you know, in, in a shorthand. Uh, really cool, really visually pleasing, and that's important to me because, you know, I want to kind of be able to go, you know, oh, what comics do you have? I can go to somebody here, look at this, and they can look and they can see the covers and they go, oh, that's cool. And they can look at it, and then you can, you know, they can go to a little long box. So we can take stuff out and you, you can show them without having it to be a big process with taking out the long boxes, you know. Worrying about the comics falling over and getting bent when the you know another the, the whole stack of books falls against them you know unless you have to uh, it costs a little bit of money like I said so it's, you're gonna probably invest about thirty dollars total in it after all said and done between you don't have to get the cloud service if you're just gonna use it on your phone it's just ten dollars for the app and it's fine but if you're if you're using it on your phone and your iPad and stuff it, you you want to get that service you get a thirty day free trial uh, mm-hmm. for the the cloud service uh, when you first get the app. So for ten dollars, you can pretty much figure out if you want to invest. On ten dollars, so, it's like ten dollars one time. Ten dollars one time, yeah. One time, yeah. It's not bad. Not bad at all. It's 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 a it's a great app. Uh, you know, there are some things that aren't perfect about it. Uh, like I said, some of the the functionality about you know adding things to your wish list and stuff like that. But really, really cool and uh, really visually pleasing to look at. Um. All right, so oh, where here we go? Okay, so this is um, this is from Otha. He says, uh, uh, "What's more important to you?" I don't think we answered this question yet. What's more important to you? The art of writing, the art or the writing? If I had to choose, I I love both. I'd go writing. Story overrules art any day. So this is what Bob. What about you? Uh, at this point in time, yes, it is story. I find mm-hmm. myself following writers more than artists. All that said. You know, a really, really terrible piece of art can undermine the story. Mm-hmm. Thunderbolts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I like there to be a balance, but I almost never buy a book that's just art. That's just, if it's my favorite artist, but the story is really awful, I can't imagine. Speaking of Thunderbolts, Phil Noda will be doing Thunderbolts. <sighs> Who cares? <laughs> so, writer. Yeah, absolutely. Stephanie, what about you? Um. I'm going to be a pain in the butt and say you can't have one without the other in comics. And I know you're saying which one, like, would you follow? But, I mean, if I wanted something that was just for the writing, I'd be reading books. Right. Yeah. Um, Boosh. I, I, they need to work together because if the writing, if the writer doesn't, you know, work with the artist to bring those, I mean, it's a fault of a writer if the art isn't good. I mean, sometimes the art's just bad and that's, that happens. But I mean, it's the writer's job to also make sure that what the artist is producing is what they envisioned for their comic. So, I mean, I get what you're saying where it's just kind of, do you prefer the story or the story that's being told 
with the pictures. But mm. for me, again, it's you can't have one without the other. I mean, that's very valid. I mean, I would disagree that it's the right responsibility. Well, you know, I mean, that yeah. happens, I think, a lot more. And indie books, I think that's very true mm. because you're controlling that whole experience. But I think especially the, t- the big two, you know, you know, like something like uh, when AVX Consequences came out, uh, I thought that series was written really, really well. But I thought the art and a lot of it was really rushed and, mm-hmm. and not particularly great. I don't, I don't see that as the writer's fault because how is he supposed to control what well, who's getting put on his books? You know, mean more like along the lines of like when we had Scott on the show, uh, Scott Snyder, he was talking about how he used to really want to be controlling about the mm-hmm. art and he wanted to really lay out every single panel, and then he realized that that wasn't how Greg Capullo would work. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a process for them to get to know one another. And I mean, if you're, if you know that the artist isn't going to work best under certain circumstances and you still push them to do other things because that's how you work, that's a fault of the writer to me. Yes. Well, that, yes. that, yes. Yes. I don't mean they have to, I don't mean it's the fault of the writer in general, I guess, sorry, I should have explained that a bit more, but I mean, again, it's just one of those things where for me, um, visually or not visually, but in the book itself, like the final product and behind the scenes, they need to work hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, no, I, I, and obviously that is very true. I mean, I'll say this obviously with me, you've heard me talk about this many times on the show. Writing is more important to me. Uh, not that, and I've grown much more to, to the, the art to be more, you know, intrinsic to how I enjoy a book. Like when I read Swamp Thing this week, I really was taken back by, I was having these emotional feelings without even well it really being the writing and i didn't even realize what it was until i really sat back i was like wow it's the art that's doing mm-hmm. this to me mm-hmm. um and the, the only book i pick up that i think the, i pick up more for the art than for the writing is probably the flash because the, the the francis manipul stuff is just so gorgeous there's never been a not gorgeous issue of it and i love that character so much that the writing is good enough where i i i'm I'll, I'll i'll still keep reading it even though it's not mm-hmm. my favorite book um and just quickly mentioning a book quickly there's, if you want to see an example of the art that kind of speaks for itself, there's a great book by um, a French man, I believe he's French, named ba- Bastien Vives. Mm-hmm. And I found his book when I was in Angoulême and I'd heard a lot about him previously. Um, and it's called The Smell of Chlorine. That's the English, there's no French, or sorry, there's no English translation of the book, but that's the English title. Mm-hmm. And it's basically this guy who falls in love with a girl, you know, that they swim laps at this pool. But I don't, I read a little bit of French, but I don't, I can't pick up all of it, but I was able to read this entire story just with the images and get what's going on. And it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, sometimes like Bobby said, the art can outweigh the writing. Yeah. So, well, to the negative too, remember that the Spider-Man story that yeah. oh, we all yeah. love the story, but Avenging the art, Spider-Man, yeah. yeah. With, yeah. Just sitting around the table, it could have been just a gorgeous, gorgeous story. We'd remember the way we do Spider-Man Blue, and it yeah, fell apart in the art. It did fell apart in there. You lost a lot of its punch because of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is from uh, Zero Context Cody on Twitter, and he, he wants to know, uh, what are the issues that, uh, he says Steve and Bob have with Cyclops? I meant I was never a big fan of him when he was a Boy Scout, but ever since he stepped up to lead the X-Men during the events like Schism and AVX, I've been a huge fan. So interesting take, because he has a different, probably, beginning point with the Cyclops, mm-hmm. especially than you do. So, Bob, why don't you go first? Well, yeah, well, my beginning point is X-Men 1. Right, so exactly. We're, we're, you know, we're, I, so I'm going through that whole period where he graduated from the school, mm-hmm. learned to be a leader. Professor X died then, mm-hmm. only he didn't. He right. came back two years later. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Scott stepped up and was not just 
a Boy Scout. Mm -hmm. You know, he he's being sort of written retroactively that he was that way before, and now he's who he is. But all through the the Claremont Byrne era, he was not goody two He was a guy who struggled with what was going on with Jean, recovered from her death, went off, and and still led the team. And to have him turn into mutant terrorist, to have him be Magneto Jr., just strikes me as as a disavowal of what he was before. Right. Okay. Cool. Steve. Oh, Cyclops. Not kidding. <laughs> um, I have really been enjoying the the turnaround with Cyclops. Okay. My problem with Cyclops is that the majority of my exposure to him was uh, in the films, mm -hmm. the earlier uh, films. Like Brian Singer, those were his? Yeah. Okay. Um, as people have listened to the podcast know, I'm not exactly the biggest fan of the uh, older X-Men films. But um, he's just, uh, my exposure to him is that he's always been kind of a jerk. Um, he's always been this character that has been a huge player in the world of the X-Men. He's always been showcased. And just any, the little exposure that I had to him for the longest time was him being kind of a dick. And mm -hmm. him just going back and forth. It always seemed to revolve around Gene and it... Anything that I read about him, it was always like a pissing contest, <laughs> almost. And he was always—he always had something to prove. He was kind of like the the little boy that stamps his feet and and kind of yells at his mom. And I just wasn't a wasn't a good thing for me. It wasn't mm -hmm. a good character for mm -hmm. me to. I didn't relate to him in any way, mm -hmm. and I have a problem liking characters that I don't relate to. Yeah. However, that being said. Uh, and, you know, liked him even less and less when the whole AVX event went down. But ever since that has happened, especially in the new uh, Uncanny X-Men, uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Chris Buccialo, I'm absolutely loving the kind of villain turnaround, part Xavier, part radical... Mm. Thing. Um, and again, for the same thing of uh, Superior Spider-Man, it's interesting. It might not be on model, it might not be great, but at least it's fresh, it's new, and it's just, it's putting the character into a light that I can enjoy. So I am enjoying his mm -hmm. character now. Mm -hmm. I didn't like him for a long time, but mm -hmm. I am enjoying his character right. in the books now. But there's your jumping on point for Cyclops where you saw him as a jerk was where I jumped off. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. once they did that to him, I couldn't read that anymore. I stopped right. reading X-Men years ago because mm -hmm. of what was being done to that character more than anything else. Right. So I, he's, he's now turned, but not back to the Scott I liked. He's, right. he's now turned to another version of it I don't even like. Right. So That's the thing. Me, I don't, I'm just out. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't need him to be that Scott. I don't, and I don't even necessarily need him to be this one. Mm -hmm. I just need it to be... A character that is driving he's he's a he's a key player in a story that mm. I'm really, really invested in at this point and really liking. And I'm so glad that the aftermath or the fallout or just whatever's spawned from the lackluster AVX has been, in my estimation, for me personally, just such a positive leap mm. for that event because those things that made him the villain, that made him the bad guy. We're now past that, and we've actually yielded some really great results. Yeah, and I'm liking him as this character because he is 
one of the driving forces of me having a lot of great stories that, whether I like it or not, revolve around something that he was very much a part of mm-hmm. and very much the cause for. Yeah. So for him being, all right, the catalyst mm-hmm. for these great stories, I now appreciate him. Right. I will say this. I think that in Uncanny X-Men, especially number two, it's the first time where I feel like he's begun, you begin to feel uh, not, you know, feel sorry for Scott again. Like they're, they're being inside, you know, you got a little bit inside his head because this issue was framed through Emma and getting to see the way Scott is dealing with these children and the, what he wants to do with them and what he really has, you know, it, it, it makes me feel like he's not a villain. You know, this very much feels like, uh, an un misunderstood person to someone who won't agree, doesn't agree with what the Avengers or the the Wolverine's X-Men are doing, but he's not trying to hurt anybody. You know, he's trying to do his best to, to keep his people from being eradicated and, and being hurt, you know? And, and he even says, you know, I made, I made a lot of, I made a lot of mistakes and it's time to correct those mistakes. And and I like that about him right now. Uh, This is uh, much like Steve. This is the first time since I started reading comics again, where I generally, genuinely are starting to, and trying to like Scott again and not being like, this is the book about the guy I don't care about, you know? And his so, costume design in Uncanny Avengers like, is fantastic. Uncanny X-Men? I hate, yeah. hate it. Oh, I, like I it. love it. I like I, it a lot. I, I hate it. What, I why, what, what says Cyclops about that? That <laughs> says, you know, Racer X. You know, where, where's Spritel and the monkey? Well, I mean, what, what? I have no idea what that is. Speed Racer. Oh, well, I I don't know. I I like the design. I don't, I don't necessarily like what it stands for, but I just... I don't know. I like the aesthetic of it. I don't know. I, Bob and I, I agree with you on so many things, but every so often there are things that, that we just butt heads about that I enjoy things that you find off model and you appreciate the old. Um, I, a lot of stuff in comics that are going on that this is my first exposure to mm-hmm. it. And a lot of times it's my excitement for something new that causes me to, to like and latch onto things. And this new approach to the character, uh, I find it very radical and very interesting. And for that reason, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, cool. I mean, that's fine. That's that's what makes something like this so such a uh, unique industry because these are characters that existed for such a long time that are are handled by so many different people. You know, and everybody has. We talked about this last week. The question, I believe. Uh, no, it was Mark Wade's statement. Everybody has their their starting point, their golden age, their what they love the most. Some people, you know, love the the Spider-Man clone saga. You know, that's the first thing they ever read. So that's what their their starting point is in their brain, you know? Right, but he also made mention of core values of character. Absolutely. And, but and it's I, that but betrayal of such things that re- irk me more than anything right. else. Right. Uh-huh. But just really quick. Yeah. Sure. The thing We're is... We're having fun. Go no, for no, it. No, no, no. But they, like... What we're doing since we started doing this with with talking comics and everything, this has really been like my first foray. Mm. I mean, I was always reading comics here and there, but nothing like what I'm doing now. But anything that I read beyond when we started this to me is like reading a history book. Mm-hmm. You know, that's never as much as I love and adore and I'm reading every single one of Fantastic Four from number one on. It's like reading a history book. That's never going to be like my golden age of comics. What we're doing now, years from now, 20 years from now, I'm going to look back on these years and this Marvel Now stuff and the DC-52, whether for good or not, this is going to be like my jumping off 
jumping on point yeah. to comics in general that I need to like what's going on now because this is the start of my history with them mm-hmm. as a as a you know tried and true fan and somebody who blows money upon <laughs> money every week on books that if I'm not enjoying it then why am I doing this mm-hmm. so that's that's just for me that make, absolutely yeah. makes total sense all right, uh, that is it for our listener question. Stephanie, did you want to ring in about Cyclops? I know you haven't really been catch, uh, up with the X-Men stuff they've been putting out right now. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I have like very few opinions on what I've read um, via AVX and then through the beginning of the issues I've read involving him. And I don't really have much to chime in on yet. I pe- feel like people are over villainizing him a bit um to make up a word that's a good (laughs) Um, one but i mean for the most part i i don't really know the motives like you guys have because Mm. you're caught up and i am a bad podcaster and i am not (laughs) i will get caught up guys right but yeah no i don't really have anything neither here or there for that at this point in time yeah i mean for me just like Steve said, like my only experience with Cyclops reading books other than watching the cartoon when I was a kid is is this version of Cyclops and the version they're doing right now I feel like it is a better version than they have been doing the last couple of years that I've been reading this stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Uh, all right, so moving on to uh, uh, questions, not questions, books that are coming out today. More questions. More qu- questions that are coming out today. Um... From Boom Studios, we have Alien vs. Parker, number one. We have Bravest Warriors, number six. Uh, Garfield, number 11. Grace Randolph's Superbia, number five. Um, uh, sorry, uh, we ha- from Dark Horse, we have Buddy Cops, one shot. I believe is written. it's written by the guy who wrote uh, Cowboy. Um, we have Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season nine, number 19. Uh, we have got Emily and the Strangers, Yay. number two. Got Ghost, number four. Yeah. R.I.P.D. <laughs> City of the Damned, number four of four. Sledgehammer, 44, number one. Ooh. Uh, new Mike Mignola book. Uh, Star Wars, number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, from DC Comics, we have Batgirl, number 18. Yeah. Batman, number 18. Yeah. Batman and Robin, number 18. Yeah. Uh, Get ready to stop your yes. Uh, Bar- Batman Arkham Unhinged, number 12. Uh, Before Watchmen, Ozymandias, number 606. There it is. Uh, Deathstroke, number 18. Demon Knights, number 18. Green Lantern Corps, number 18. Uh, Green Lantern, the animated series, number 12. Uh, second trade paperback of uh, I Vampire, for anyone out there uh, who's heard us talking about that and wants to, wants to check that out. Uh, Katana, number 2. Ravagers, number 10. Saucer Country, number 13. Saucy. Suicide Squad, number 18. Superboy, number 18. <laughs> Team 7, number 6. And Threshold, number 3. Uh, from Dynamite Entertainment, we've got Deja Thoris and the Green Men of Mars, number 2. Oof. We have George R.R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones, number 13. Dude. We have Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files, Ghoul Goblin, number 3. Uh, Kevin Smith's The Bionic Man Annual, number 1. Peter Cannon, Thunderbolt, number 7. Uh, we've got Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time, The Eye of the World, number 33, Shadow, number 10, Shadow Year One, number 1, and Warlords of Mars, number 23. Uh, from IDW, uh, we've got Doctor Who Classics, number 1. We have Fever Ridge, A Tale of MacArthur's Jungle War, number 2. 
We have Ghostbusters, number two. Yay. Highways, number three. Yay. Mars Attacks, number eight. Rocketeer, Rocketeer Hollywood Horror, number two. Wow, that was only two weeks ago. I know. Hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Color Classics, Donatello, Micro Series, One Shot. Got Transformers, Regeneration One, number 89. Oh, no uh, chance for me to join. No, that's why I didn't give you the chance. <laughs> uh, Image Comics, uh, Change, number 404. Yes. Uh, Darkness, number 111. End Times of Brahm and Ben, number three. Hoax Hunters, number eight. Manhattan Projects, number 10. Mind the Gap, number 8. Sweet. Uh, Nowhere Men, number 4. Peter Panzerfaust, number 10. Spawn, number 229. Todd, the Ugliest Kid on Earth, number 3. Yay! Uh, Trigger Girl 6, number 1, which is a collection of all the Trigger Girl shorts from the Creator Own Heroes books that came out. Oh. Uh, Walking mm. Dead, number 108. Where is mm. Jake Ellis, number 3 of 5. Um... From Marvel Comics, we have Age of Ultron, number two of ten. Yay! Uh, <laughs> we have Alpha Big Time, number two. Uh, <laughs> Avengers Arena, number six. Mm. Avengers Assemble, number 13. Scary Yay. cover on that one, too. Yeah. I will, by the way, I read that last week, and then I Googled Crocodile. I told you not to. I know, I but I did it anyway, because you have to, because she basically tells you to do it in the book. Uh, so you did. Uh, so I Crocodile. did it. Crocodile, the disease in Avengers Assemble that she's talking about? Yeah. It's real. It is horrifying. It's real? Yes. Very real and very awful. It is horrifying. And I tweeted her at it. I was like, oh, did you? I was like my eyes. <laughs> she was like, I told you not to. I told you not to. Um, uh, we have um, Avenging Spider-Man number 18. Yeah. Cable and X-Force number five. Uh, we've got Fantastic Four number five. Yes. Fearless Defenders number two. Yeah. Uh, we've got... Sorry, uh, ooh, there's a lot of reprints. We have Thor, God of Thunder, number six. Sweet. Thunderbolts, number six. Ultimate Comics, Wolverine, number one. Ultimate Comics, X-Men, number 24. Uh, Uncanny X-Men, number three. Wolverine, Sweet. number the, one. The Alan Davis. Alan Davis, yep. Paul Cornell, yeah. one. I'm very excited about that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wolverine, the X-Men, number 26. Hey, there hasn't been one of those in a while. Yeah. Oh, X-Men Legacy number 7 and Extreme X-Men number 12. Extreme. <laughs> uh, from Valiant, we have Archer and Armstrong number 8, Bloodshot number 9. Uh, and from uh, Xenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales St. Patrick's Day special and Grim Universe Dark One number 4. So that is what's on shelves right now. Huzzah. So check that stuff out. Uh, if you guys want to get in touch with us, info at talkingcombooks.com at Talking Comics on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, and of course, TalkingComicBooks.com uh, is the website. Uh, and my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve? Mine is at Dead underscore Anchorus. Bob? Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Stephanie? I am Hello Cookie on Twitter. And Stephanie, you will not be with us. Uh, well, you might be with us next week. I might be. I'm currently headed to Minnesota tomorrow morning. Well, today. <laughs> Time travel. <laughs> <laughs> um, to head start getting ready for Fable Town and Beyond, so oh. I might be here next week, but it depends on how crazy putting on a convention is. Yeah. So I suspect it might be a little hectic. Yeah, I I, mm. I think so as well. Um, so we told you guys at the beginning of the show we've got a Matt Fraction interview for you guys on Friday, and then Jonathan Hickman on Monday. We've got a bunch of other really uh, good guests lined up for you guys. We're going to be talking to uh, Yale Stewart, uh, the writer and creator of JL8, yeah. next week. Uh, we also are going to be talking to, in the future, Brian Q. Miller, 
uh, writer on Smallville, the comic, and of course, uh, the Stephanie Brown Batgirl book. Uh, and we'll also be talking to Greg Rucka. Rucka, Rucka. Um, as well in the future. So we've got so many good guests lined up for you guys. Uh, please, um, you know, when we ask for questions, we'd love to get your questions. We love interacting with you guys. Thank you guys so much for the way you guys have been tweeting us and Facebook and email and commenting on, on, on stories. It's been really overwhelming and fantastic. And things are getting bigger for us. And that means we get to bring you guys uh, cooler and cooler guests. So we really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, uh, for Steve, I had something really clever to say, and then I forgot what it was. <laughs> You'll remember. Wee's in the juice. There you go. <laughs> Bob. Aloha. And Stephanie. Bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>